The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. This episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast is not real. We're pretending that it's real. Don't like pretend carefully, properly. Joe, you should go to Canada. I heard there's a hum there. Get you the might. fuck out of here. This show's <laughs> over. <laughs> And cut. That was perfect. Okay. No, just kidding. No. Okay. <clears throat> so, there's a lot of people that believe that the government not only is capable of manipulating the weather, but does manipulate the weather. And we know that they've done certain things. Like, we know that people can make it rain, and not just at a strip club. Mm. But people can make it rain by uh, spraying certain chemicals into the clouds or seeding clouds, sure. cloud seeding. They have actually done that in the United Arab Emirates. They've uh, made it rain 50 times last year. So they, they do it basically once a week. But this is, I, this is, I've heard it's dangerous. Like the chemicals that come with the rain are poisonous. Oh, is really? that true? I don't know. Well, it's weird chemicals <laughs> sprayed out of an Arab's jet. It's not, <laughs> I don't think it's weird. Let's say clouds. It is weird. It's uh, you never in human history has anyone flown over a desert and sprayed chemicals into a cloud. It's okay. Let's find out. Is cloud seeding harmful? That's what a lot of people want to know, Duncan Trussell. And when studying the efficacy and consequences of cloud seeding experience, the experimenters tend to be biased towards saying cloud seeding with silver iodide enhances precipitation without negative consequences. Oh, However, no, no, no. much of the literature substantiates that not only does cloud seeding fail to achieve the desired effect, it also yields harmful consequences. Some also, look up that guy who ate silver iodide. Have you ever oh, the seen guy that, that turned purple? Yeah, the blueberry man. Yeah, what happened there? You eat <clears throat> silver. These people eat silver out of some – they think it increases their longevity or their virility, and it makes them turn Smurf blue forever. Hmm. So this is one take on it, and there's other takes on it. That's the problem with the internet, right, is that if you really wanted to, you could find a bunch of people that agree with you and just hang yes. in those circles. It's the beauty of the internet. And it's the problem with the internet, the, the fact that there's so much information out there. But if you choose to, you could filter it down and get it to a point where you're not really listening to anybody other than people that support your point of view. I, I don't need the internet to help me figure out if I want to stand under a cloud pouring silver iodide <laughs> crystallized rain in, in, into my yard. Like if someone gave you a choice, do you want to stand in a rain shower of pure, clean Hawaiian water? Or would you like to stand in a silver iodide rain shower enjoy those relaxing silver particles <laughs> spilling into your skin well here's the other uh side of it they can also prevent it from raining um the, yeah. we know china did that during the olympics and uh other than preventing rain for the olympics it says here in this article on space-explorers.com whatever it says here in this article <laughs> that other than preventing rain for the Olympics, China is spending sixty to <clears throat> that other than preventing rain for the Olympics, China is spending sixty to ninety million dollars a year on cloud seeding to provide enough water for its enormous population to clear away smog from heavily polluted areas. Right. So that's their way of dealing with smog. Hey, do you think we should like put mufflers on our cars? No, let's just make it rain. Just wash it. Oh yeah, just push it down into the silver ground. iodide water. Good. It's really good for pollution. China's gonna give. <laughs> China's gonna birth a Godzilla. They're fucking around with. Oh, we can't say that. Yeah, huh? you can. Uh, we'll beep it out. No, I. Th yeah, I. Be think, yourself. Goddamn it. I think that's a powerful weapon, though, man. It really is. If you wanted to attack a country and you could make rain stop. Yeah. 
then you would have full power over that country. If you could control their weather, you definitely would win. And then the question is, if you could do that, how do you know you can do that? Well, you have to try it. And how did you try it? Did you try it just during the Olympics, or did you know about it beforehand? Have you been using it on countries? Have you been aiming it in places? Like, how do you do it? Do you have right. to? Is it very specific, or you know, can it be? Can you misfire? And is there, people can get caught in drive-by accidental cloud seeding where it would rain in a place where you didn't want it to rain? That doesn't even make sense. Drive-by <laughs> accidental cloud seeding, ricochet, stray clouds. Yeah, man, got hit by a straight cloud. That would be a great my drive man. by to get hit by. <laughs> he made it rain on my family. I'm not even a crip. Now, besides the chemtrail issue, which uh, we've I've met with a bunch of people so far on this chemtrail issue, and there's certainly some there's certainly some possibilities that the government at one point in time has sprayed something from a plane for sure. Sure, but the idea of this constant spraying in the in the skies. The idea of this constant spraying in the skies seems to be much more ignorance than anything else. I agree, yeah. And not just ignorance, but like on purpose, like being willfully ignorant, like not looking at any of the things that refute the things you're saying scientifically, people with no agenda. Instead, looking only at the things that support it, with, you know, confirmation bias, yeah, like confirmation pure bias. and simple. And there's people that make entire documentaries. This guy that, that I met with, this guy... Um, Michael Murphy, he's got these two documentaries. What in the world are they spraying and why sure. in the world are they spraying? And he refuses to look at anything that points to the fact that what he's measuring, when he's measuring like aluminum, he's saying, like, look, we found aluminum in this water. What he's measuring is dirt, and dirt is rich in aluminum. I mean, it's, it's real simple stuff. Right. So that in saying that this is a part of some nefarious plan and some secret thing that he's uncovered – He's being a ridiculous person. Also, I, I like to think about the specifics of the person flying the plane that's apparently dropping the poison onto the earth. Like, who are these mysterious pilots? Do they have breakfast with their family? Do they sit down and chat about, how, oh, yeah, going to spray aluminum dichloride over New York, honey? <laughs> and like, the other thing is, it's so nonspecific. I mean, everyone down there is the enemy, yeah. or everyone down there is to be experimented with, including billionaires, bankers, yeah. politicians. They're all getting sprayed on. Everybody, really? What kind of asshole would do that? <laughs> That's and, the real question. And not only that, what a shit result. Like, it barely does anything. I mean, yeah. stop and think about all this spraying. Imagine if you had something where you can spray the sky, completely cover the sky in this spray, yeah. this chemical spray. And what does it do to the people down there? It makes Prince freak out. It makes Prince freak out. Almost Have you seen it. that? We yeah. got to pull that up. Pull up Prince Talks About Chemtrails. This is very important, actually. It's a YouTube video. Prince talks to Dick Gregory about chemtrails. It's hilarious. It's, it's hilariously awesome. And it, 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 it highlights... A lot of people's ignorance about this issue like they haven't even looked into what creates these clouds and this was a, a paper that was published by the uh, the United States military in the 1940s and they didn't call them contrails back then they called them persistent condensation trails and they were trying to de determine that these clouds that they were making with propellers by the way that these clouds whether or not they were dangerous and the same conditions were always discussed. It's always like super hazy, and it's at a point just before clouds are created, like a point in the, the condensation of the atmosphere where it's almost cloudy. It's just kind of hazy. And when they cut through with a plane, it creates artificial clouds. Sure. And when people are saying, they're spraying clouds, no, they're actually making clouds by driving through it with a plane. I mean, it's really simple stuff. Yeah, I... 
I've never really bought into that stuff, but I have had somebody explain to me how they're putting poison into the air. Someone explained that to me while smoking a cigarette. <laughs> While taking big puffs on a stick, they're poisoning us. The deadly chemicals in the air, man. They just want to control the population. Yeah. I've seen people talk about saving the environment while they drive a Prius and throw a cigarette out the window. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't I – don't, honestly, I don't understand what makes those things up in the air. I think they're pretty. Like I've <laughs> – that's the crisscrossing just, patterns yeah. of clouds. They're nice to look at on a picnic, but I don't think they're poison. And why is it that they keep appearing near airports? That's yeah. crazy. Why would they spray near the airport? Because that way they could do it right under our noses, man. The right. biggest lie is a lie that you don't even have to tell. Right. Everybody tells it for you. P.S. The government could probably release free packs of cigarettes that say on them, these make you depressed. And people would just buy, willingly buy them. You don't have to secretly dump chemicals on Americans. We're gulping them down every day. <laughs> we love chemicals. Sit in front of a 7-Eleven and watch those pigs come flapping out of there with their big gulps and their pasty, glistening sugar sugar lips and fried hot dogs. No, you don't have to poison America. The idea that you have to actively and secretly poison Americans is insane. It's ridiculous. So I think we both agree on that they obviously know how to manipulate weather and they obviously have manipulated weather before. Sure. And by they, meaning everyone but us. Okay? I don't think you've done any manipulation. So let's no. just include the whole rest of the population. Okay. Someone out there has figured out how to make it stop raining, and they've also figured out how to make it rain. Yes. The question is, how often does it, this go on, and is this a part of our everyday life that we have to concern ourselves with, and does it spray down harmful chemicals? Like, is the, Are those clouds the reason why people are finding aluminum in the soil? Well, it turns out, no. Aluminum is one of the most common elements on Earth, and it's you can find commensurate levels that they've been finding in these tests that they've done that prove chemtrails are real. You find those everywhere, all right. over the country. The reason being, because fucking aluminum is everywhere. Yes. Aluminum's everywhere. So that's something we know we don't have to worry about. So we've got that put, put aside. So A, planes create clouds automatically, proven. B, aluminum exists in the atmosphere all the time, proven. Right. Doesn't mean that they haven't sprayed things from the sky. It doesn't mean that they're not capable of altering the weather. We know they are, right? Sure. But then also, isn't there always toxins coming off of airplanes no matter what? Just jet fuel that's jet on fire. Fuel. Yeah. And it sprays. And by the way, that's one of the, the biggest factors in global warming is jets. Right. Giant tubes filled with flammable dead dinosaurs that you're flying over the sky. Right. And that's spraying. That's the real spraying. The real spraying is burning jet fuel yeah. above your face, stupid. Exactly. That's yeah. the poison. They really are spraying us. Every time you fly to the Bahamas, you're chipping in. That's what I heard. Every time you fly your fat kids to Disneyland, <laughs> you're incinerating like 19 acres of rainforest. I don't think it's that much, but I feel I, I exaggerated I feel in a lot of different ways <laughs> when I said that. <laughs> now, the other aspect of uh, manipulating weather that's fascinating is HARP. And I think HARP stands for High Altitude Active Auroral Research. Let's find out what it's called. I don't know. H-A-R-P. Just so we know. It stands for, oh, I spelled it totally wrong. I, I spelled it H-H-A-R, which is the Hebrew home for the aged in Riverdale. Okay, not the same thing. <laughs> Don't go there and yell at those people for controlling the weather. Jewish they, elderly people <laughs> are making it rain. and They don't even know what you're talking about, and they will hit you. Okay, high-frequency active auroral research program. Yeah. 
And this is a fascinating thing because what this is the official use of harp is that they they send these radio waves up into the ionosphere and they can manipulate it and by manipulating it it can aid in communication they could shut down communication and they could possibly make it so that they can send radio signals and receive radio signals from very far away what's the ionosphere the ionosphere that's a good question we should get the official um explanation without me going into my pseudoscience. Okay, here we go. It's the layer of the Earth's atmosphere that contains a high concentration of ions and free electrons and is able to reflect radio. So that's the ionosphere. So it makes sense that they would have these this gigantic radio array, antenna array, and that they're sending these charged particles up into the ionosphere and that what they're trying to do is manipulate it so that they can use their radios more effectively. However, the conspiracy theory, and the conspiracy harp has been blamed for a variety of different events, um, including numerous natural disasters, the tsunami. Some people, tsunami, some people think it can cause earthquake, some people attribute it to something called skyquakes. Have you ever heard of a skyquake? No. Listen to this. Okay, we're going to play this for you. This is an audio of a, a skyquake. And let's play, um, let's play the one from Allen, Texas. This is a bunch of people that are standing outside, and they hear this. And the freaky thing they say is that when they hear these things, that you can't pinpoint where they're coming from. Ugh. They're just coming from the sky. And in order to have something that's that, that loud, that doesn't dissipate with distance, you're dealing with some incredible amount of energy. And the big if is that if this isn't a hoax. Right. You could get some dickheads in college that think it's cute to just stand around and go, what's that sound? What is that? Yeah. And then they go on their computer and add in some sound effects. Yeah, just slow down a trumpet and put it yeah. on your picnic video, and suddenly you've got 15 billion hits on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. And, it, again, it's one of those things. It's like, what exactly are we listening to? But this is... It sounds cool. Oh, I, I didn't know this one. is called Skyquakes, but I have heard of this, and... What I really like is the Judeo-Christian explanation for what this is, because in the book of Revelations, they talk about how the horsemen of the apocalypse blow these trumpets, and that's how you know it's the end of days. So this is really feeding into the apocalyptic Christian theory that we're at the end of the world, and these are the sounds that you hear before the great plagues come rolling through the land. That's what a lot of Christians think this Did is. Did you ever see Kevin Smith's movie Red State? Ah, uh, yes, I did. Amazing movie. And remember the end when they played the trumpets and that's what got the, the crazy evangelical... I didn't make it to the end. Oh. I was drunk. I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a second look. Um, now, we also have some recordings of what harp actually sounds like in operation. And this is equally freaky. That's not a good sound. <laughs> that you never want to hear that. Ever. You never want to hear that. You never want to be out on your porch with your dog throwing a stick and you're like What's that? What is what so what is harp? What do they have? Like demons yelling into microphones? This is I think it's the garbage disposal of the universe. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like a garbage disposal in space. 
No, this sounds like interstellar locusts descending on the... When you really stop and think about the fact that there's something on Earth that shoots energy up into the sky and makes that noise, yeah. and then above us... What's, what is it shooting into? The ionosphere where there's like thousands of satellites and space junk flying in and just... Yeah. 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 No, thanks. No, thanks. We're Turn creeps. We're, we're a creepy species. <laughs> Can you imagine if, if chimpanzees were blasting the ionosphere with devil screeches? We would kill them. We would sure. wipe them out. Within no two days, there would be no more chimps. If we found a chimp with a bow and arrow, we'd shoot it right in the head. You'd have to. You'd have to. Yeah. So this, what's interesting about this. Or dress it like Robin Hood and make a ton of money. <laughs> we had this guy on the show that I interviewed. His name is Woody Norris. He's this genius inventor, a true bona fide genius. He's responsible for over 80 patents. He is uh, an audio expert and he listened to the sounds and reviewed the amount of power this thing puts out. And he believes that this, this array of antennas absolutely could be responsible for those sounds. And he thinks that it could be responsible for manipulating weather. It can that you could have a lot of what you would call off-label uses, and that mm -hmm. maybe it was initially created to heat up the ionosphere so that they could send radio signals. But along the way, they might have figured out, holy shit, we can make trumpets blow in the sky right. over Iran. You know, I mean, do you, you know how freaky it would be is like, you know, you, you get an email from the president, good luck, fuckface, we're going to war. And then you yeah. hear, Bruh. yes, you'd know it's coming and you hear trumpets in the sky. Just that alone is like, listen, listen, we'd be thinking we've been very hasty. <laughs> the nuclear, who needs nuclear power, my friend? Please you stop have, the trumpets. Japan down. has problems with it. So we don't want that in this world. No, yeah. you know what, man? I think that. It, for whatever reason, it's part of the government's job to every day come up with new ways to kill people. <laughs> and someone looks at tornadoes when tornadoes hit and thinks, wow, that would make a great weapon. If I could figure out a way to do that, I'd have the ultimate weapon. Because the problem with nuclear bombs, aside, uh, aside from the fact that they like kill hundreds of thousands of innocent people, is they irradiate where they hit. So you end up not being able to move into that area as a good conqueror would want to because everything's full of radiation. Everything's like Chernobyl. So, you know, and with bioweapons, it's the same thing. Well, that was the hydrogen bombs. That was the idea behind the hydrogen bomb was that you could kill everyone there but leave the structures. Yeah. Can you imagine the pitch meeting where somebody's like pitching that? I've innovated something great. We can leave the structures and kill all the people. Great, Jim. But with this, with this idea, it's sort of like a in-between thing, which is that not only could you send in tornadoes or earthquakes to wipe out populations, but also you could do it anonymously. No one would even know who was doing the attack. You would just think you were having some bad geological luck for a few years until everything's flattened, and then the UN comes in and is like, well, look, we're going to help you rebuild. And then the next Next thing you know, you've been infiltrated by the empire, taken over, and you don't even know it. It's the ultimate weapon. So it makes a lot of sense that a, that a government or an empire would want to investigate this stuff. Absolutely. And if this was a possibility, they would certainly explore it and look into it. The real question is, have they ever used it? And that's the beauty of this thing being sort of an anonymous thing. If you really can create a storm, how would you know that someone created a storm or whether or not it's just a storm? 
you you send a nuclear bomb. There's an obvious footprint. There's sure. a, we know where it came from. We know a human created it. They they connect the dots. They find out. You can't like it's not like throwing a snowball in a car and running behind a bush. When you when you throw a nuclear bomb, you get caught. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> Every, everybody knows you're an asshole. You don't need Columbo yeah. to solve that one. So the question is, do you think that they've done it already? That's the real question. The the question is not can they manipulate the weather. It's been proven. Can they manipulate with harp? We don't know. But if they could, have they already? Yeah, I'm. I I think so. I yeah, sure. If they could, if they could, they've definitely done it. Do you think that they could do it with harp? I think harp is creepy. I I'd, I'd never heard those sounds before, but I've seen that array of. Um, uh, antenna and they're spooky looking and also i heard that security at harp is like area 51 level security and i've also heard that they don't they're very very secretive about what's going on over there so it wouldn't surprise me if it had something to do with controlling the weather that doesn't surprise me at all i I don't know i would hate to break up with someone who worked at harp just (laughs) rains over your house for a year straight it's just always cloudy in your neighborhood well let's listen to what some experts say because uh, stanford university professor umran inan said to popular science that weather control conspiracy theories were completely uninformed and he explained that there's absolutely nothing that we can do to disturb the earth's weather systems and even though the power that harp radiates is very large it's minuscule compared with the power of a lightning flash and there are 50 to 100 lightning flashes every second harp's intensity is very small Mm. but he could just be a shill who knows he could be working for the man who knows man up there in stanford teaching all those liberals he's a lot more credible than some hipster in a fedora with a beard yapping about (laughs) tornadoes are you a hipster officially i don't know but i mean i I could be called one i get judged i get judged like that but again who knows man i i just think that the the Government has explored and governments of the world have explored how to kill people in almost every possible way from coming up with weaponized smallpox to Mm -hmm. using nuclear bombs. So why wouldn't they explore something like the weather? It makes 100 percent absolute sense. And you know what else? Uh, For sure, this Umran Inan is not hanging out at Harp. Okay, he's not going up there. He's not talking to those scientists. He's not absolutely clearly informed as to what they're capable of. And there's one thing that really smart people love to do and that they love to dismiss things that they believe are silly or things that don't agree with what they've stated. Yep. And so a lot of these guys that are saying this, like computer scientist David Nadich, who characterized Harp as a magnet for conspiracy theorists and says that Harp attracts their attention because its purpose seems deeply mysterious to the scientifically uninformed. He says that. But when you talk to geniuses and experts in sound and in power output and they talk about the uh, the capabilities of a system like Harp, they're like, you're talking about something that's being run by DARPA. Right. Yeah, that's – let's pull up. What does DARPA stand for? Because I think it's something evil. It's definitely something evil. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Ugh. Defense. I mean, maybe that means defense as in they need to charge up the ionosphere to send radio signals. Or maybe it means that a sound robot in the sky is going to eat your babies. Absolutely. And have you seen the other crap DARPA spits yeah. out of their hell factories? Oh, those robots that you can kick and they don't fall over? Yeah. Deadly galloping dogs, weird <laughs> springing attack frogs, death drones. Like, of course they're trying to manipulate They're on the Twitter, way. though. 
Oh, they are. I'm going to follow them right now. <laughs> Bam. The official Twitter account for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Follow. They have 50,000 followers. Sure. Wow. How many do you have? 75. They, you have more than DARPA. That's sad. Suck at DARPA. Yeah. That's what I say. Fuck off, DARPA. No, I love you, <laughs> DARPA. I'd like to come work there. <laughs> I'm going to Alaska in a couple of weeks to do stand-up. I want to visit. Do you think they'll just let me in? Yes. No. I think they will. No, it's like one of the most secure places on the planet. I bet they let you in. <laughs> That's one of the saddest things when you run into like any of these people that you've villainized and you realize, like, yeah, come on in. Check this thing out. We've got... Yeah, we're just trying to make radio waves work better. Yeah. And then you leave and they laugh. <laughs> <laughs> then they turn back into reptiles. That and... fuckhead. I got his phone, too. <laughs> Let's follow him home. Kill his dog. Oh, your dog died of a heart attack. What hmm. do you know? Weird. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't... So there's some things I've learned today. I didn't know that Harp was run by DARPA. I had no idea that let's there, make sure there was right any connection that. there. Because that I, really I said that, but let's ominous. make sure that that's correct. Harp run by DARPA. I think it's true. High frequency. Do, 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 do. And the defense. Yep. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's pretty weird because DARPA is a notorious creator of things that are without question going to destroy our civilization they just gleefully whip up death machines um without any concern for what's going to happen 50 years from now sort of or maybe they just make good defensive stuff to keep the defense Defense. Defensive. Oh, yeah, defensive. The Department of Defense. Yeah. What's it about, Duncan? Keeping us safe. It's about de- defense. You know what it's made- not about offense. You it's know- not being offensive. You know what made me feel really safe? A, a galloping robotic dog that can chase me <laughs> over. And may or may of- not have cannons on it. <laughs> a galloping ro- dog that's half made of C4 that makes its way into your building and then... Makes a volcano. Guys, it explodes. Felt, I felt so scared. I used to be so nervous. I'd walk around with fear inside of me until those packs of wild galloping cyborg dogs made solar a powered dogs. <laughs> and by the way, they can be solar powered in LA and just run all day. It never sure. rains here. And they can be autonomous too, <sighs> or they're just controlled by eighteen-year-olds in trailers outside of Vegas <laughs> with with Xbox controllers. Yeah, all methed up on, on government speed. Yeah. <laughs> What kind of speed did they give those those drone operators? Oh, they I make knew. sure they're hopped up on the good stuff. If you want speed, talk to a drone operator. <laughs> They've got the good stuff. They don't need big gulps. They don't even drink water. They just have a paste that they <laughs> chew on. They don't they don't take in any moisture. The moisture disrupts the effects of the electrolyte imbalance that meth provides. Look up so, uh, DARPA and the internet because I think DARPA invented the internet. I thought Al Gore did. D-A-R-P-A. I think DARPA did invent the internet, which is going to create a I think you're right, too. Involvement in the creation of the internet, the history of the internet, formal group with DARPA, a group within DARPA. Huh. Brief history of the internet. 1973. Yeah. Wow. Here's what's interesting. <clears throat> DARPA is also linked to the creation of the Internet, hmm. which is fascinating. In 1973, the U.S. 
Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, or DARPA, initiated a research program to investigate techniques and technologies for interlinking packet networks of various kinds. The objective was to develop communication protocols which would allow network computers to communicate transparently across multiple linked packet networks. Hmm. So it was created by DARPA, the very thing that will bring down the empire. Yes. was created by it. Well, see, that's what, that's what happens to all mad scientists is their creation turns against them. That's so true. Frankenstein yep. was killed by Frankenstein. It's an inevitability. It is, yeah. isn't it? yeah. So this thing that so they unleash the internet. Who knows what else they've unleashed, or they're going to unleash? But you know what else the internet did? Inform people about mushrooms. Right. Maybe that can help them. But DARPA needs mushrooms. That's what they need. Imagine the kind of shit that you could create if you had the technology and the resources of DARPA, but it was all people on mushrooms. Uh, it'd be a beautiful world. It'd be amazing. Think of what Burning Man would look like if DARPA took it over for two years. <laughs> <laughs> they would. Kill all the people begging for sandwiches. That'd be the first thing. <laughs> they would just take them outside. Oh, we know what to do with them. Like, they don't even care. Even if they're on mushrooms, they still just shoot hippies. <laughs> I thought you just knew you did that. Come on, guys. Stop crying. No, that... Your brother was a loser. Your brother had dirty feet. Come on. Come on, we shot him. What's the big deal? I got more mushrooms. Who wants to sing? Who wants to get in a drum circle? No, they just create drones that shoot poison darts at anything that smells like patchouli. <laughs> <laughs> There's some hot girls that smell like patchouli, though. Uh, a lot of, a yeah. lot of hot girls smell like patchouli. Some girls, they wear like a little oil. Mm. Just, just a, a gentle, like, blueberry oil. Mm. Mm. I love that sweet mm. smell of patchouli and, 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 and body and begging. The sweet smell of patchouli and bumper stickers. I like the sweet smell of patchouli because there's usually good acid around. <laughs> now, <clears throat> here's the other thing. Here's the other thing um, that people think uh, harp is responsible for. There's a thing in Windsor, and it's called the Windsor Hum. And these poor people that live in this town that's across the river from Zug Island, which is near Detroit, and these poor people that live in Windsor – they say that their houses rattle, their windows rattle, and sometimes it's 24 hours a day. It's just, whoa, 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 whoa. That's how they all describe it. And no one can seem to locate the source of it. Some people say that it's coming from Zug Island. And some people say that even though you can't hear it near Zug Island, it gets more powerful the further away you get. And they describe it as like a tsunami effect. They're like a tsunami, like it starts in one place and then builds up power as it moves along. Huh. Well, if you talk to anybody who knows anything about sound, they say that's not how sound works. But they seem to describe it that way. They seem to describe it as a sound that's coming from a place where they, they can't quite pinpoint where it is. They want to say it's coming towards Zug Island. But some folks say that as you get closer to Zug Island, it actually is less noisy than it is when you're further away from it. It's a really weird thing. And it's not one person complaining about this. You're talking about an entire town of people. We talked to several people. Not one of them was like, what are you talking about? Does anybody live on Zug Island? No. No, Zug Island is gross. We went to visit Zug Sounds Island. Sounds great with such it's... a beautiful name. Who would think that it would be gross? <laughs> Zug Island stinks. It smells like pollution. You could buy a house across the river from Zug Island for 500 bucks. That's how bad it is. So, there, so what you're saying is there's this low resonant hum emerging from a place called Zug Island. And what Zug Island is for, it's, in, it's across from Detroit. It's part of Detroit. Ah. And it's for you. they make steel there. 
and they have these giant piles of raw materials and these furnaces. And we talked to a guy named Gregory Fournier who worked there in the 1960s. And it was, he said it was always disgusting and it was always dangerous and it was always environmental hazards. This is really, really polluted. The river right. around there is one of the 10 most polluted places in the United States. And yet people are fishing there and pulling fish right. out left and right where we're there. It's really kind of scary stuff. But he, he said that what they're doing there, uh, what they've always been doing there, is manufacturing steel. And he believes that that sound is just a part of the, the process, the, 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 the process of creating and making steel. Sure. That makes sense. It does make sense. What doesn't make sense, though, is the sound itself. When you bring the sound to sound experts and you say, is it possible that this sound was recorded six miles, five miles? Is it possible this sound was recorded X amount of miles away from a source and was this loud in a person's house? And they say, no way. We met a guy in Windsor named Gary Gross, and Gary recorded some sounds that he says are the Windsor hum. All right, and listen yeah. to this. We're going to play it for you. Now imagine being in your house, and there's something you hear like this, and he is miles away from Zung Island. I mean, it sounds like you're outside a nightclub. It sounds like high-powered bass speakers uh -huh. inside a building. Except there's nothing near him. He's just in his house, right. and everyone in his neighborhood feels it as well. So you're not talking about something that's like a car that has giant speakers. It's right outside your door, and that's why you hear this. What you're talking about is something that somehow or another is making these people's houses vibrate like this from miles away. We don't know of any kind of sound that can do something like that. It, and what, what is Woody's last name? Woody... Woody Norris. When we played this sound for Woody Norris, who is a, an acoustical expert, an engineer, a brilliant genius, he said there's no way the industrial process could make this sound. He said that the amount of power that would be required to make a sound like this that would travel that far and not dissipate in the environment is incredible. Yeah. Now, is this something that has been documented? Yes. This sound, More than this. Yes, this sound has been documented. This sound has been documented by the people that live in the town. It's been documented by the politicians that try to get wow. the explanations for the citizens. But if this is a sound that is emanating from Zug Island, it would have to be insanely loud on Zug Island. What people are saying, though, is that when you're around it, when you're in the river, it's not that loud. It's when you get further away that it's doing things like this, that it's vibrating people's windows, vibrating their houses. There's no known explanation for this. And when I talk to this guy who is an audio expert, he says that in order to create a power output like that, you're talking about an insane amount of power. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's, an, that's a really, really intense sound, and it'd be a bummer to have to deal with listening to that because that is a depressing sound. That's a sound like in my neighborhood when that sound starts, you, you're not sleeping that night because someone's having some idiot party until 4 a.m. It sounds like a party. It sounds right. like bass speakers. It sounds like – But that would be like your neighbor. You would have to be like really close for that to be affecting you like that. I'm just saying if you right. – that as a weapon, mm -hmm. if you wanted to – if you were experimenting with – 
weird forms of weaponry and you could blast that sound over someone that you were fighting or someone that you wanted to disrupt, that would do it because that is not a pleasant sound. Right, but that, I, don't, I don't think that that's what anybody's claiming. I think what they're claiming is that this is a side effect of the use of this technology uh. and that most likely what Zug Island is is some sort of a repeater. And that these people are experiencing the sound outside of the island because of harp. How close is it to harp? It's very far from harp. But what they're saying is that Zug Island could be a repeater station. And the other thing about harp is that harp, although it's really far away, the whole purpose of the magnetizing the ionosphere or right. uh, rather um, – <clears throat> Uh, charging the ionosphere, shooting these uh, waves into the ionosphere, is so that they can transmit long distances. So what so, the conspiracy theorists believe is that Zug Island is some sort of a repeater station. So these people who live in Windsor, across the river from Zug Island, are getting this crazy sound echo thing going on that's rattling their buildings. No one can explain it, b b shaking their windows. I mean, these people have really freaked out. And again, it's not like a couple people were talked to. Is this always happening? It happens quite often, and it's dissipated, apparently. And that's where the, the harp proponents believe that what's happening is that they've realized that they're making the sound now, so they've turned down the power output. I, so, don't, I don't buy it, man. I think if you're dealing with like this super advanced DARPA project that can shoot out uh, – things into the ionosphere they're not going to be like hey let's turn zug island outside of detroit into a bass speaker so that everyone can freak out no that's not what they're saying they're not saying that they're doing it on purpose what they're saying is that this is a side effect of what they're trying to accomplish right. i don't think anyone is saying that those skyquakes are something they're doing on purpose what they're doing is they're doing some sort of experiments. And in doing those experiments, one of the side effects is this very strange sound phenomena. So I we're, we're going to go there and see and investigate and talk to some of these people and find out if this holds up. But it's a very interesting uh, uh, possibility. And these sounds are very unique and you know very ominous and weird. Yeah, they're definitely weird. I, I just I wonder about the DARPA connection. But if you go there and actually hear the sound, I'll be more likely to believe it. It's the kind yeah. of thing where if I knew someone who'd actually heard the sound themselves, then I don't know. It just, this seems like, it seems so easy to fake. It seems so easy to drop these kinds of things into sound files. I, totally. I totally agree. The thing is, though, the, the compelling thing is that all of these folks, it's, it's well documented that these people have been complaining. In fact, when I went through customs, the guy asked me, what are you here for? And I said, I'm uh, here to listen to some hum. And he goes, oh, the Windsor hum. Like hmm. he goes, oh, I go, what is that? He goes, it's probably something going on at Zog Island. Like right away. Wow. This is the, the cop that works at the border tells did me you this. Feel, did you hear it? No, we didn't hear it. But we heard a lot of industrial noise. Right. We, we, and it didn't sound anything like that. What we heard is like a lot of clanging and trucks moving and stuff like that. Is there we any got fracking like, right, going on around there? Or any of no, no, that stuff's mostly done in Canada. Huh. This is what they what they're doing there is they're just creating steel and they're uh, they're mixing the, the raw elements to create create steel and they have furnaces and there, there's some a lot of industrial stuff going on there and it's very high security. 
But the high security could easily be explained in that that steel and make, creating all that steel is very important to the industrial output of right. the United States. It's, it, it would be uh, – if you were looking for a place to disrupt our economy or to, to mess up you know, an area, that would be something that would do a lot of See, damage. See, I didn't know that. You just mentioned that. You didn't say there, it's a high security area. I think that's really weird. If this is just supposed to be some toxified industrial island, I think there is something suspicious about there Could being be. a, the combination of a mass amount of security around a polluted island and some bizarre Godzilla noise rising up out of the nothingness. That does seem to indicate that there's more going on there than just making steel. You're, you're right. It's very possible. However, it's also very possible that what you're dealing with is uh, high security because they're creating steel there. It's incredibly dangerous. They're working with volatile materials. They're also probably doing a lot of environmental damage right. that they wouldn't want people to investigate or people to shine cameras and expose sure. all this. I mean, it's stinking. There. Right. And when you go there, the water is like greasy with whatever the hell they're leaking into it. The guy that we were with was telling us that it floats green. There's uh. like this glowing green shit that you see in the water. So it's not healthy. It's definitely it's definitely stinks. It's definitely bad. We we were thinking while we were there, we're like, we're breathing this in. Like this is like we're we're fu- we're taking in fumes. Yeah, Detroit is a crazy place, man. When I went and performed at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Awesome the, spot. The guy who drove me there, he told me that he used to buy eight balls and go camping. Like, who does cocaine camping? <laughs> Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you could blame Detroit or Zug Island on that, but I feel you. Yeah, Detroit is the worst person in the world to be a book. That's the worst place in the world to be a book. There's 47% illiteracy rate. They call it the first American ruin. Yeah. Because there's so many parts of it that are just gone. Dude, across from Zug Island, you can get a house in Detroit for $500. We saw them. They were telling us about it, and we saw it. Amazing. It's incredible. And you don't want that house. Well, no. It's got toxic mold, and it's next to the moaning of Baphomet. (laughs) And the smell. The smell is horrible. The smell in the air is – it's really a shame. It's a shame. I know you need steel. I know that they need it. But first of all, to do it right there in a highly populated area like Detroit and to do that kind of damage to the environment – it's just sad. It's sad. It yeah. seems archaic. It seems like some shit that they should have figured out how to do better a long time ago. And it kind of makes sense that if you're disrupting the environment at that level in some place, then there's going to be unexplained side effects, like some odd noise. I don't think that is the case. So this is the thing. I don't know whether or not the noise and the industrial output are connected. It makes sense when you look at the sound and the sound is coming from this spot and you look at this spot and there's a lot of machines moving, there's a lot of digging in the ground, there's a lot of making steel. Occam's razor would dictate the sound is probably coming from there. Right. But if these people are to be believed, these people that are talking about this sound and the rattling of the houses, it's too much power. It's too much power. It's too far away and it's too strange. It doesn't seem to make sense. And what it could be is that we're connecting these two these two events together, but they're they're not connected. And that although Zug Island is a place where they make the sound, where they're creating, or rather, although Zug Island is a place where they make steel, that this noise is not emanating from Zug Island, but in fact is coming from the sky itself, from Harp. It's just that people are assuming that Zug Island has something to do with it because Zug Island's gross. 
So and then creepy. it's just a coincidence. Super creepy. It is creepy. That sound, if that sound is real, is very creepy. Yeah, it's horrible. But you have a good point, too, is that we didn't hear that sound. And right. unless, unless you, even if it was like someone you really know, how do you know whether or not they're really recording that sound or whether they're getting wacky and getting on their computer and creating it and saying, I'm going to freak everybody out and I'm going to bring some more cause right. or more people to this cause, more more eyes and ears to, to, to this plight that we're suffering here when really it's just normal industrial noise that people are complaining yeah, about. Yeah, you got to go there and see. And if there's the so- if you hear the sound, which I bet you won't, then it'll be interesting. But- do, why do you bet I won't, man? Maybe I will. Because I don't think. How dare you? I think the sound of Zug Island is the sound of people's neurons frying as they smoke (laughs) Detroit level crystal meth (laughs) in the basements of their $500 crap homes. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's the sound of your brain rotting inside your skull, (laughs) bouncing back and forth off the bony walls. There it is. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, though, if you were in your house and you're hearing this? It would be the most annoying thing ever. And these people say that it could be 24 hours a day. And that sometimes they'll get up in the middle of the night to pee, and then they'll hear that sound, and they'll never get back to bed. They also said that for some reason it seems to correspond with the rain. They said when it's stormy and rainy, sometimes there's, there's that sound. That is where the heart people come in. Because they think that that's not a coincidence. And they think that the rain itself might be rain that was created by harp. And that that's why these people are huh. saying that whenever it rains and you hear thunder, that's when the sound is more prominent. Wow, that's crazy. That's so crazy. A, a symptom of weather being controlled by harp is low resonant sounds, sky quakes. But that makes sense. This sound, think of that. It's, it's raining out and you hear this sound. And you know that Big Brother is fucking with the sky. Uh. And making it rain above your shitty $500 house. Uh, that's leaking. And you're like, is it bad enough that I'm here breathing in toxic farts and <laughs> living in a $500 house? You guys got to shake my three remaining windows with your stupid sound? All I want to do is smoke my mess in peace. <laughs> <laughs> There's a physicist named Brooks Agnew who says that he can demonstrate the effects of harp in a box that he's built hmm. and he creates artificial clouds he has like one of those misters you know how you buy like a bonsai tree at the mall and they have like the fog yeah, that's flowing out of it those are beautiful aren't yeah. they well that stuff is very similar to clouds that vapor that water vapor the and stuff they puff out at clubs yes no that's that's a smoke that's the shit that michael braverman likes he likes to put that when we're doing promos the fuck he likes to fill the air with that shit <laughs> You know I love you, buddy. Um, no, the um, it's actually uh, it's vapor. It's water okay. vapor. But this guy claims that he has this device that can create the same sort of effect by charging the particles that are inside of this this box that he built. He can actually prove the effects of harp. Well, he's saying that there is a correlation between the e-cigarette smoke in his box and actual clouds. Well, what clouds are is vapor. It's moisture, right. and, and, and it's in a, a, a condensed 
sort of a well. I should probably actually have a technical explanation because I just ventured into bullshit. I do that all I the felt time. Felt myself doing it, but I pulled. I'll back. tell you what a cloud is, and I'll never. I have no idea what okay. a cloud is. It is a visible mass of liquid droplets or frozen crystals made of water or various chemicals suspended in the atmosphere above the surface of a planetary body. Okay, so now you know. So, so that's a cloud. It is clouds. What this guy's creating is essentially the same thing as clouds. He's using moisture and he's using this machine that does something and it creates. It's e-cigarettes. E-cigarettes are an ionizer that creates water vapor that has nicotine uh, infused into the vapor. Just like Stephen Dorff's awesome commercials. <laughs> no, hey, this- guys. Come on, guys. Let's take back our freedom. <laughs> so um, this is saying that if this is like if a giant Stephen Dorff were breathing e-cigarette cigarette smoke over America, it would be clouds. And if you had a machine, you could zap that the clouds yeah. and make a tornado that takes Stephen Dorff away like the house and the Wizard of Oz where it lands on the witch. Yes. Just and, like that. And then DARPA would finally have done something amazing <laughs> for the world. That would be the second best thing they did since the internet. Look, Stephen Dorff was awesome in Blade, okay? Yeah. So you need to step. <laughs> I stepped. Blade 1, the best Blade ever. Stephen Dorff was the, the, the bad guy and he yeah. was amazing. He sure. was amazing. Great. So, so shut it. I'm sorry, Stephen Dorff. Yeah, please apologize. He's too Thank easy. Thank you, Stephen Dorff, Stephen, for making our cloud. Stephen Dorff is the nickelback of actors. It's too easy to pick on him. <laughs> it's not fair. It's rude. It's cheap and it's rude. He's the rape joke of actors. It's, we need to stop. We need to stop with the Stephen By the Dorf way, thing. if Stephen Dorff happened to be flipping through channels right now and heard that, he's going for his pistol. Yeah, well, don't shoot me. As long as you're going to shoot no, yourself. Stephen- Death is inevitable, my friend. Okay? But murder, you don't want a murder Please charge. Please don't kill yourself, Stephen Dorff. Don't do it. You're going to be fine. So, look, I, don't, I think that it's an interesting thing. I, I, the box, I would wonder if the clouds in this box are identical to the clouds that are actually floating over land because I think like what you just the definition you just read it's ice crystals chemicals this is just like ionized vapor so I wonder if well, it matters it's, it's actual it matters. liquid droplets it's a visible mass of liquid droplets or frozen crystals sure. made of water so it's yeah. close enough or various chemicals like there can be a toxic cloud too that's not not water droplets right. chemicals can actually form toxic clouds and as well. he's saying that by shooting some form of electricity into this stuff this is what he make- says. So we're going to say we're not going to say we've already seen. So we're going to change shirts and we're going to go right into this because this guy's an idiot. <laughs> okay, awesome. awesome. <laughs> so I go to visit this physicist named Brooks Agnew, and Brooks Agnew has a box that he's got this artificial clouds that he's created with this Mister machine. Yeah, and he believes that he has this machine that can dissipate the clouds. So we go and do the experiments. First of all, here's red flag number one. We walk in the door, and his friend. Uh, there's a photo of a, an Indian man with white paint on his face. So I say, uh, what's up with this dude? And he said, he w- underwent an amazing transformation of his body 10 years ago, and now he no longer needs food or water. <laughs> and I go, no, he didn't. And I just walk out of the room. I go, no, he didn't. And he goes, you have to meet this guy. I go, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't have to meet him, and that guy eats. Get, get, stop. Get away from me. And like, I knew right away we'd made a horrible mistake. Because yes. this is the dude he's partying with, okay? It's not the scientist. <laughs> it's the scientist's buddy. Okay. So we go in there. Brooks has this machine, and in this machine, he's got the clouds. And he's like, now I'm going to turn it on. Yes. And so he turns it on, 
And uh, we're, we're seeing the clouds dissipate fairly rapidly. And yes. we're like, hmm, this is interesting. The clouds have dissipated fairly rapidly. But then we notice this motherfucker's got a crack in the door. So the clouds are sneaking out of his door. Okay, so now we tape over the cracks in the door. We turn it on again. Now this, it doesn't dissipate at all. Right. It just sort of hovers there. But there's some weird funnels like coming off of it. Sure. We're like, well, it does seem to have an effect. Well, then we open the door and touch it, and it's hot. So this stupid machine that he claims is changing the ionosphere yes. and the tube and, and making the weather manipulate, it's just hot. It's just a big, stupid, hot electrical box, and when it gives off heat, heat rises, right. and, it, and the, you know, it goes through this stupid fake clouds. So nothing. So yeah. not, but here's what's crazy. Not only did this guy thought this, but that this guy thought this enough to build a machine, and that he did this... And said, this is so good, it needs to be on TV. Yeah. That's fun, though. Going crazy is fun. <laughs> I'd love to go that crazy. Do you know how fun that would be to be seriously constructing a weather machine in your house? Yeah. That would be a blast. So he's enjoying life. And he somehow, his weather machine summoned a TV crew. And you know what's really That's crazy? magic. He's a white guy. Whoa. Who'd have thought? It's you never see white guys with these unfounded claims. It's never. really rare never. that you see a bunch of white guys in their late 40s, early 50s, possibly into their 60s. Post-divorce. Post-divorce. Uh, just m eaten alive by depression like wormwood. Yeah. You know? Waking up and spitting out pieces of their teeth from grinding all night long and then going to work on your weather machine as yeah. your tears disrupt your experiment when you contemplate how your wife left you because you wouldn't stop talking about harp. And then you call your friend over, the Eatarian, who knows a dude who actually is an air Eatarian who just eats air. Doesn't have water, doesn't have food. That makes sense to you. This is the guy who's hanging out at your house. Yeah. And you go, well, what do you think? You want to help me put this together? I think you're onto some amazing work. Amazing I think work. you're doing amazing work. So they put together this stupid thing, and it doesn't work. And, uh, and you flew out to that? No, I drove. This was in, luckily, it was in California. Oh, But not only right. did we drive, but this is how stupid we are. The guy said there was a mistake with the experiment. We want, he wants to do it again. So he had them do it again. So the, the camera crew went back a second time. Wow. And guess what happened the second time? Fucking nothing. <laughs> Fucking nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing's going to happen. You knew nothing was going to happen. You wanted the camera back again. Like you, this guy probably has seen The Secret like a thousand times. And he thinks that if he really truly believes that this is a weather machine, then it becomes a weather machine yeah. or something. By the way, the next season of this show... You are going to be riddled with trolls who realize that you guys will come out to anything. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> like, oh, it's too yeah, late. What do you do? Just email the sci-fi channel and Joe Rogan shows up at your house if you've farted in a box? Dude, it's way too late for that. Did you see the photo that I tweeted yesterday of me uh, with this stupid fucking apparatus on my head? Because some asshole claims that this stupid apparatus was going to uh, detect electricity that comes off of my eyeballs. Look at this. This this fuckhead got me to wear this. This guy got me to wear this. And inside this thing, this goggle, inside the goggle is like a sensor, and the sensor reads the electricity coming off your eyeballs. So he's talking in all these scientific terms, and he's got a degree in Canada. Yeah, yeah. 
And so he tells me he's, he tells me that this device measures the electricity coming off your eyeballs and that theoretically you could feel this electricity on the back of your head, scientifically explaining the psychic phenomenon that a lot of people believe in, which is that people can tell when people are looking at the back of their head. So this fuckhead gets me to put on this stupid thing. I got glue all over my head. Lucky I'm bald because then I just have to clean my head. If that was in my hair, I'd be pissed, yeah. especially if I had some beautiful like Joey Lawrence in the 90s yeah. hair, just something flowing, uh. you know, and then it's all this gooey shit a boy can dream. So anyway, I got these goggles on and the goggles have a sensor in and he shows me that on this EKG, is that what it's called? EEG, EKG, whatever it's called. He shows EEG. Uh, he shows me on this computer that the EEG setup is reading all the, the electrodes on my head, but also reading the one that's in front of my eye, oh. and that it's a very similar signal, thus mm. indicating that electricity is coming off of your eyeball, like the evil eye in scientific form. So, so um, I say, hmm. So I look at his test, and I go, did you ever try just putting it on your hand? And then I just put it on my hand. And it's the same thing. The same signal. Uh, and the only time it's not the same signal is when it's shaking because I'm going, it's the same fucking signal. <laughs> you made me put glue on my head and I'm holding your wacky space goggles that you think can measure eyeball rays. You fuckhead, look what you've done to me. I'm mad. And I said to him, I said, how did you get, again, same thing, how did you get on TV with this? Yeah, what how is did, that? How, did this, how is this not just a dumb idea that you fucked around with with your friends, but you got so far that you went to a producer and said, well, this is what I can do. And he went, I like your moxie. I think this is going to really happen. Uh, I think this is going to be an amazing segment. Once they show that you are correct and that you can uh, shoot rays from your eyes and that I can detect this, oh, this uh, is going to be fantastic stuff. You could probably be on Dr. Oz after this show. Wow. But no, it's just another white dude with unfounded claims in his 50s. And access to aluminum foil. <laughs> he had aluminum foil and head glue. Has anybody looked into the correlation between... Starting to like aluminum foil and going insane. <laughs> it's like hats that they make out of. I mean, that's literally where tinfoil hat theory came from. Somewhere along the line, so many fuckheads had yeah. tinfoil hats on yeah. that people actually came up with that expression. Like, if you say that expression, the tinfoil hat brigade, people know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You don't have to say conspiracy theorist. You say, oh, he's one of those tinfoil hat wearing motherfuckers. And then it's, the conversation's over. If you aren't using aluminum foil for cooking, <laughs> there's a 15% chance you've gone insane. <laughs> oh, what, is, uh, what is it about aluminum? And that's the shit and that the chemtrail people look for, too. It's, yeah, aluminum. The chemtrail people, they're always claiming they're spraying aluminum. It's all aluminum with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy is? The ground is mostly aluminum. <laughs> There's a lot of goddamn aluminum out there. Apparently, it's it's super cheap. Jamaica. What's that? Jamaica is a source of aluminum. Jamaica is a source of is aluminum. That true? Comes from Jamaica. Yeah, they probably. Well, it's apparently, according to scientists, it's one of the most common minerals known to man. Yeah, and it's, it's everywhere. Also, it's also what you put into an apple if you've lost your pipe. You can smoke weed from an apple in aluminum foil. Aluminum foil pipes. Yeah, that's the foil, though, buddy. It's not the same thing as a mineral that's in the ground. You're talking nonsense. You're talking crazy.
Foil, is it made of aluminum? <laughs> yes, it's made of aluminum. I don't want to talk about it too long or we'll both go insane. <laughs> you is get... al- if it's aluminum foil just aluminum or does it have anything else that's mixed into it and heated down? It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. They can make metal that you can just rip. See? Here's super this. Easy. This is the downward slippery slope. Well, it's kind of cool. Aluminum foil is cool. Like you could take an it apple cool. and you can wrap that apple up in it. Like you sure. could take a piece of food and wrap it up in Put this metal. Put it on metal. your girlfriend. Turn her into an android. Don't do that. Because chicks are always going to think that you really want an android, and then you're going to make them insecure. I do want an. Never android. make a girl do dress up, bro. Who says that? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I try to take away your favorite thing in life. You're like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> There's something That's like saying never put salt on french fries. How far do you take dress up, though? Do you take it all Me? the way to furry? No. Like, at a certain point in time, it's weird. Like, there's a certain amount of dress-up in the society that we allow. Like, you're allowed to wear a toupee through the metal detector at the airport. Yes. But they will make you take off a fake beard. If right. you have like a fake, if you walk through and you got like an Abraham Lincoln beer with a chin strap, and they're looking at you like, look at this motherfucker with his, like, his you know, like a little tie behind your head yeah. and a big stupid fake beard, they're like, you have to take that off, sir. Yeah. But they'll allow you to wear a toupee. If, as long as it's like pinned down somehow. Oh, once Al Qaeda finds out about that, man. <laughs> they know now. Yeah, it's over. There's a certain amount of dress up that you're allowed to do. Sure. Right, so you're allowed to wear a ball gag, but you can't dress like a mascot. You know, I'm not. I'm not against I'm saying, any of it. But I'm saying you can't be a furry. Me? No, anybody. If you're a furry, if you're like dressing up like a mascot yes. and open up the front hatch and having sex with each other, you're fucking crazy, right? If you're someone who likes to dress up, like a girl likes to wear leather or she likes you to tie her up, yeah. she's just a freak. Yeah, that's okay. Fine. But if she wants to dress like Bugs Bunny and she wants you to come in her face, that's crazy. That's a friend. Watch <laughs> <laughs> the squatch all over. Yeah, what is what the fuck is the furry thing with the mascot? I don't know. That is that is really creepy. And the furry stuff I can kind of understand, but like it's when people are like putting like holes into their Eeyore stuffed animals and fucking them where oh, yeah. stuff gets weird. Yeah. That gets really weird. Like a fleshlight in a giant Barney the dinosaur. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to Joe Rogan Questions Everything. We're going to cut to commercial. Well, this is going to be released as a podcast, too. That's oh, what we're cool. doing. Oh, we're, awesome. we're, we're taking an audio form of this, and we're oh. going to put it out as a podcast, Perfect. too. So it's, there's no, nothing will be lost here. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah it's God, that wouldn't way, it be right? great if TV was advanced enough to recognize that no one's being offended anymore by anything? <laughs> Yeah, right. At a certain point in time, they have to. Well, they have to accept that when podcasts start having the same exact commercials, and they're pretty close as yeah. television does, then they're going to have to accept that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and and I I I can't wait for that to come. On the other hand, you know, I just uh, heard Al Madrigal actually uh, did this interview. Where they asked him what his least favorite song was, and he said that Macklemore song about thrift shops. And he said the reason is like it's like having to explain to your daughter what jizzing is or what, you know what I mean? Like when your kids listen to it or like there's right. apparently a song in the Macklemore song about pissing on a, what's his, who's the rapper who pissed on the 15 year old? I have no idea. R. Kelly. R. Kelly? Yeah. R. Kelly. There's apparently some reference to R. Kelly in the song and Madrigal's pointing out how like it puts you in a weird place when your kid is asking who R. Kelly is and why they're talking about him pissing his bed or well why that's ridiculous why is he playing that kind of music around his fucking kids his kids kids love it kids listen to this how old stuff. are his kids 
I don't know. Well, they're, if they're young. If they're under 15. They're young. That's rude. Well, I think kids can get to this music. It's not like you're you're playing it for them. It's like they find it. They like, find it online. Yeah, like God, okay. like like my your dad's porn. Like right. it's not like your dad's like, come here, look at this pussy. It's like you found the porn. So, right. So kids find that's a pro. I mean, I think his point. What did it have to do with strip club or with with thrift shops? What did that have to do with thrift shops? What do you mean? That's the name of the song. The name of the name of the song's thrift shop. Oh. It's just he made the point he made that I thought was interesting. It's like, yeah, I guess if I had kids, it would put me in a weird predicament if I'm always having to explain to them like adult concepts because I have to either decide between lying to them or like telling them the truth, and that's a weird place to get into with a kid. And that now in 2013, that's not really necessary anymore because by the time a kid gets to be 13 years old, right. they've seen it all. Yes, that's yeah. true. I mean, remember how much shit you saw that your parents had no idea. Like, did you ever see any, like, Faces of Death stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of shit that you, 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 no one ever saw yeah, but we before never, us. Well, yeah, right. But we never saw, I mean, the stuff that kids are seeing now is right. just... But we seeing, were the first generation. See, we were the first people with VCRs. See, our, our family, like, our parents did not grow up with VCRs. Right. So when they grew up, you either saw something on TV or you didn't. And you didn't get to see it again. If you, you only, the only time you saw it again is if they played it again. And they never right. played anything again. They played like a few movies like every now and then. They would tell you, King Kong is going to be on again. You'd know when you'd wait for right. it. You'd have to watch it as it was happening. Uh, yeah, right. So huh. our generation was the first generation that had tapes. And we would get something and stick it in something and press play yes. when we wanted. So we were the first people to, to, to take that next level information thing. And, right. and what did we do with it? Faces of Death, Barnyard Betty, like some of the sure. most fucked up, heinous things ever. Like within a few years of making VHS tapes, they had a whole series of Faces of Death. And that's when the UFC came out. Yeah. Like, all these different things, like the early UFCs were like that. Like a lot of people thought that what, what you were watching wasn't a martial art. They thought what you were watching was just like some Faces of Death type thing. Like, oh my God, we're watching cage fighting. Right. This is crazy. It became a martial art. But sure. in the beginning, it was like more of a freak show than anything. Yep. But the kids today, that's a that's a joke. The kids today, like a beheading? <laughs> what is that? That's nothing. I heard that for- Barnyard Betty? I heard for teenagers, anal sex is second base. Like they are fucking each other in the asshole before <laughs> they're having vaginal sex. No. Yeah. That's like a night no. of making out. You probably end up sticking your cock in a girl's ass. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's Where are I you heard. getting this? And what? First I read of all, it on a chat room or something. This is when it, whenever someone says to me that teenage kids, whenever someone says to me, teenage kids are having more anal sex than ever. Yes. I always say, why are you even researching teenage kids and, angel, and anal sex? Like, oh, stop let me and see your Google search history. It's going to pop up. For the history. last five years, that didn't pop up once. Ain't kids and anal sex? Not only, kids. Only if we had this conversation. <laughs> Teenagers and anal sex, those are kids. If you Google search anal sex teen right now, you will get more oh. results than moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they mean like 18 and 19 yeah, when they're suggesting. They but that's not what you mean when you're talking about kids. Well, you're not no. talking about porn. You're talking about kids, kids having sex. Here's a real shocker, America. They're 15, kids 14. Kids fucking high school. <laughs> Let me send a bolt of terror through the country. Kids are fucking in high school. God Dude. knows I did. People are not ready for this. You, you should slowly work this in. Yeah. 
You shouldn't just say, hey, guess what? Your kids are fucking. Teach what if someone's abstinence. been in denial? What if they've just been in denial, just humming Christian songs as they walk around the house, thinking the kid's at school, just learning? Meanwhile, yeah. she's just someone's balls deep in her ass in a yeah. dumpster right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're hiding behind a cardboard she's, box. She's getting fucked so hard. Hey. She's using telekinetics to like lift cars. <laughs> And that sound is the Windsor hum is filling the sky. Her eyes are rolled behind her head. She's squirting. (laughs) 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 Squatch. Yeah, well, that happens, man. Kids are fucking. My mom bought me a box of condoms when I was in the 10th grade. She gave me a box of condoms because she knew I was going to be fucking. She's like, just wear these condoms. She'd seen my girlfriend. Well, she knew? Your girlfriend was a dirty girl? Not just dirty, but kind of like albino, like swampy. Like she was like that. You have to wear condoms. <laughs> albino and swampy? That was your first girlfriend? Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, albino and swan. That sounds like a Stephen Lynch movie. <laughs> David Lynch. David Lynch. Stephen Lynch is a singer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a David Lynch movie. Translucent skin, blue veins. Isn't a swamp. Blue veins. Extra long clitoris. Uh, you, you, you don't know whether you say something or not. Uh, I'm just, just going <laughs> to deal with this. It's just. It's not quite a finger, but I mean, it's definitely a finger that's been bitten off. Like a nub. It's a nub. I wouldn't say it's a finger. It's like a finger that lost a bar fight. When when do you talk about the length of a girl's clitoris? Like, what do you think? Immediately is- after you get done fucking her to your friends. I mean, if it's, it depends on how big it is. If it's totally normal, it never comes up. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I've never discussed the length of my wife's, my, my wife's clitoris. It's you should. It's totally normal. I'll tell you right now, there's nothing special about it. It's, <laughs> the, it's a regular vagina. It looks right. great. It's, it's awesome. Great. It's good design. You don't need to fuck with it. It doesn't need pinstripes. But the <laughs> the crazy ones, the ones that are weird, yeah. it's like, what is that? Like, why is, it, is there an evolutionary advantage for looking like a moose with a gunshot hole in it? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Is it, is it, is it what is it about? Who what is, is it that? about some of them that vary so widely? But at least with a, with a woman, like, it doesn't, I don't think they vary so much in, well, I guess they do vary in size, but it doesn't have any, like, social stigma attached to it. Like, and in fact, if a girl has a, a, a very small and uh, welcoming, tight little area, yes. that's probably better than a big, crazy, loose thing. So it works the opposite for them than it does for us. For us, it's oh, right. an evolutionary advantage to have a large penis. I see what you're saying. Big yeah. Rasputin looking. We, yeah. we looked at Rasputins yesterday. We were looking at it. Oh, oh. yeah. I've, I've seen Rasputin's cock. It's I heard in a, a jar. I heard they a story him. that Rasputin was at a bar and telling people that he was Rasputin. And they're like, whatever. You're not Rasputin. He's like, I'll show you I'm fucking Rasputin. And he like pulls his cock giant out. tree trunk cock out. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're Rasputin. It's in a jar. It's 11 inches soft. It's a big jar, too. It's like that would not fit in a in regular mayonnaise size jar. You gotta jar. get a Costco jar. Yeah, you would have to get a Costco jelly bean jar. To they fit. have a special cock jar. It's just for cocks. Rass- yeah. <laughs> but his cock was like, that is a, that cock is, is a, a bad thing. Like, it, it didn't, <laughs> that cock is a, um, uh, 
a death hammer. Like, that's a thing that you, you can even still now. It's however many hundreds of years it's been in that jar. You can still feel evil coming off of it. Maybe you can feel evil. I feel a bunch of player haters who chopped off a giant guy's dick. <laughs> oh, wait. He's just a regular dude with a big dick, slinging dick, sure. giving out bubblegum, having a great time in Russia, Rasputin. which, by the way, sucks. It's freezing cold. Everyone's an asshole. They, they, they're all, they got their ass kicked by the Mongols, and they never recovered. So they're up there, freezing their dicks off. And one guy comes along just swinging a monster hog and having a good old time. Mm. And he hypnotizes all with the girls dick. in the area with his dick and his willy ways. And he winds up being a superstar amongst all these women, including the Tsarina, the, the Tsar's wife. He was given the fucking king of the land's wife the dick. That's the Is problem. Is that true? Fuck yeah, son. Yeah, he was hanging around all those chicks. He's one of those dudes There's like Arnold no Schwarzenegger. If he's hanging around you, he's fucking you. you here's the thing. You can't cheat with Rasputin. Because, like, if you're in bed with your wife and you look down at her vagina and it looks like a sinkhole, <laughs> you're like, you fucked Rasputin, you asshole. Like, <laughs> you're, she, his vaginas would look like craters after experiencing that. That it's, This is like, it's a cock the size of the width of well, an encyclopedia. I hate to break it to you, but regular vaginas have babies go through them, which are much bigger than a cock, and Not they, snap like, they snap right back. If your wife gave birth the next day, wouldn't you be able to tell? Dude, yes. But Rasputin's dick was not nine pounds. I did, Babies I, are nine pounds, dude. Vaginas are crazy organs. Right. They stretch out and pop out a baby and right. then whoosh, snap back shut like a clam. They don't snap back shut like Swish. a clam. <laughs> it's a slow snap back. No, they stitch up, stitch up any tearing. They snap back like fossilization. It's like a slow congealing, no. right? How do you know? I Trust don't know. Me. I've been just... through it three times. Trust right. me. My wife's vagina is excellent. They stitch that shit up. They, there's some tearing. And I think when they when they stitch it up, they have that Benny Hill music playing. Because <sighs> they know that you're going to do it again. You're just going to get pregnant again. Right. Blow it out one more time. Right. God, that's spooky. <laughs> it is weird, though, how nature di didn't build in the... Uh, it, 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 it's weird that that's... That there's a tear. It's funny that it's it's not built so that it just pops a baby out without there being damage or pain. Well, that's how chimps do it. You ever see chimps give birth? No. <clears throat> Pull up. See if you can see uh, chimp giving birth. See if we got a video online. The way chimps give birth is they just reach in and pull it out, and that's it, and they're done. Yeah. <laughs> they just reach in, pull the baby out, put it down, clean it off a little bit, and they don't come out helpless either. I mean, obviously they need their mother, but they're not like us. Right. We come out like incredibly helpless for a long time. Yeah. We can't even walk. We can't do shit. We can't even control our own heads. We just fall forward. We are, our heads are so big that we have to be born like way earlier in the process than other animals. Right. And our minds are so complex that the gestation process takes a long time. Here, what? Well, look at this. That's the baby. <clears throat> she leans back like she's in an old school Tracy Lord's movie. Yep. And she just grabs a hold of the hair. On the baby, <clears throat> and she's just squeezing it out. It doesn't seem like she's in any pain at all. No. And she's, she's just squeezing on her... It's very casual. ...her vagina, and uh, the baby heads are slowly popping out, and she's just try trying to figure out when to get a grip on it, and the male's coming over to check it out. Yeah. There's no doctors, not a sanitary environment. A terrible mural. Not a Filipino lady to be seen. Try going to a hospital and not seeing a Filipino. <laughs> Good luck. No 
I don't know why, but that is true. They just make awesome nurses. They're drawn to hospitals like moths yeah. of cancer. And she's like sitting there while this uh, baby's coming out of her body. It just the the evolutionary process is so strange. And when you see like a life coming out of a life, it's one of the weirdest things you could yes, ever. It is. It, it, I've seen it <clears throat> several times now. You know, twice in person, and it's uh, it's a trip, man. It's really a trip. It's interesting how the I'm assuming that's her mate, but I don't know. Like the other ones, like oh, yeah. I'm he's sure. watching, he's concerned. It's interesting. She's most likely a whore, and she probably fucked every chimp in the whole group. And <laughs> she's just trying to look at this. Wow, she's wow. she's just bending over, and he's checking it out now. She's like, "What she's do you so see?" So flexible. Yeah, she's like, "What do you think? Is it ready?" And he just nah, nah. not yet. Wow, and she's like. It's so weird. Like, okay, now she's squeezing him out. There Whoa, we go. Whoa, this is crazy. Plop. Ooh, oh, great. damn. That needs to be an animated GIF file. Yes, it like, does. Like, the moment the baby comes out and the puddle that it creates, and the, the, the male is She's uh, eating it. it. She's of eating course. the placenta. She's eating the placenta. They eat the placenta right away. I've heard that you should do that. That is a fucking trip. That is a, such a trip. What's really oh, a trip. Oh, that is so sweet. They're both licking the little <clears throat> chin. Yeah. What's really a trip. Is that chimpanzees are some sort of a distant relative of us. And at one point in time, our ancient, ancient ancestors are probably very similar to this. And that something yeah. happened, and we kept going, and we went from that to this. Well, that, that seems a lot, a lot sweeter and more natural than doing it in some <clears throat> sterile room yeah. with people wearing weird clothes. Did well, that's you... not sterile. I mean, that's not natural. That was in a zoo, dude. That was on a slab of concrete. How how natural is it for a chimp yes. to give birth on concrete? You're absolutely right. <laughs> I don't know why that's I said that. That's what's kind of fucked up about the baby coming out on that hard surface. Like, if they were in the jungle, the jungle's soft. Yeah. It's like when we were in Seattle looking for Bigfoot. The sa- the ground. Yeah. The, 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 it's very soft. Like, you could shit out a kid there with no problem. Easy. Yeah. Have you heard about the... Father Zod and the Source family. Do you know about this? What? Father Zod and the Source family. No. The Source family. I can't, it's a cult. And I can't remember if it's Manson or Father Zod, but in these cults, you know, the women, of course, they give birth after they get impregnated. Right. And this guy, as I recall, I'm trying to think if it's Manson. I got my cult leaders mixed up. I can't remember which one. Father Zod. But, but in one of these, look up Father Zod umbilical cord. That classic search. <laughs> <laughs> the NSA is knocking on my door as we speak. Please. <clears throat> hmm. No. No, it's just this documentary where it's, it's the point is a, a woman gave birth, and I can't remember if it's Manson or Father Zod, but one of them chewed the umbilical cord off, like bit it, bit through it. It's probably Father Zod because I never heard that story. Yeah, it's Father Zod because you'd hear about it with Manson. It was Father Zod, but it kind of makes sense, you know. Now, looking at that video of that chimpanzee giving birth on the floor of that zoo, mm. like seeing that animal, how alien that is to you or I, but not that much. I mean, it is alien, it's an animal, but it's kind of human-like in a lot of ways. Sure. Aware, intelligent, paying attention to what's going on, you know, and the, the two arms and two legs thing. Yeah. It's so similar. It's so, it's so strange. And it's so strange to think that somewhere... In the past, that's if you believe in evolution. <laughs> Which you shouldn't. Which you shouldn't. But that somewhere in the past, allegedly, we were something like that. Sure. And that we were all sort of uh, developing along a similar line. And one of us became you and I. One of us became a homo sapien, became a human being. Right. But 
there's other ones. There's the Homo Florensis, that little hobbit man on the island of Flores. Yeah. There's Neanderthal. Notice how I said tall, because I'm very educated. Not tall. No, that's the old way. I'm current. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, oh, I judge a man, by the way, he pronounces Neanderthal. <laughs> if you say Neanderthal, you're kind of an asshole. I'm an you asshole. are an asshole. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Who that's how Anderson I? Cooper says Neanderthal. You're right. God damn it, I'm gay. Neanderthal. <sighs> There's nothing wrong with that. Neanderthal. Sounds better anyway. Whatever the fuck it is, the island of Flores, man. It's a three-foot-tall hobbit, man. Really yes. fascinating thing that until a few, a few years ago, they thought was just horseshit. They really had no idea that 10,000-plus years ago, there was this little tiny man running around. Right. And running around the same time there was grown humans like you and I, like, mm-hmm. or, or rather our size, um, even though we're both short. The, um, the question has always been, are there others? And the question has always been, if there were others, where the fuck would they be hiding? Right. If there's an island, well, they didn't find out about gorillas until the early 1900s. But the, that's sort of a disingenuous thing to say, though, because the world of the 1900s doesn't even remotely resemble the world that we see today. Right. Because the world that we see today, we, we pretty much have a good account of what's alive in almost every place. Absolutely. We might have missed a few spots. Like, there's some weird shit. Like, every now and then they'll find, like, a weird frog in New Guinea. Yeah. Or a deer in Vietnam that's been hiding in the jungle. And they're like, well. But where people are not willing to go is with another intelligent animal. You could say you found a previously unknown deer in Vietnam, which did happen recently. Sure. A couple of years ago, in fact. Big animal, like the size of a white-tailed deer, completely different species they weren't aware of before. But it lives in the jungle, and you go, well, I could kind of see that happening. Yes. But the idea of an intelligent thing, that's where people won't budge. The idea of an intelligent, ape-like, human-like thing Another branch on the evolutionary chain of lower hominids to human being. Another branch. Yeah, it's interesting how in the news when you hear about they discovered a new lizard in the Amazon. It's like, oh, whatever. Who cares? I'll think about that for four seconds. It's not interesting at all. I don't even want to look at a picture of it. But if they came out and said, we found an intelligent ape-like being living in its own civilization in the depths of the rainforests, that would make news forever. Yeah, so that would change the world. Yeah, we're we're so it is interesting that we do. It's not a surprise any other species that gets discovered out in the great vast wilderness that still exists. But for whatever reason, we immediately disregard the idea that there could be another form of super advanced primate out there somewhere. And they found primates very recently. In fact, they found this little pygmy primate. This little tiny little monkey thing. It's really small though, so we don't really give a shit about it. No. It's like, so what? So you found a tiny monkey. But if you found a seven-foot-tall monkey, they would go, holy shit. Right. What is that? But didn't, they just find, but didn't they just find something akin to that? Like, didn't you uh, – what did you call it? It's called the – shit. It's some very rare carnivorous ape. Yes. Like, Pull up an a, a image of the Bondo ape. You can see one that got shot. And you can see this animal. And this is an animal that um, up until – I think 1996, they didn't have any photos of it. There's a wildlife photographer from Switzerland named Carl Armand. And Carl Armand went to... That's a really old picture, right? Isn't that a picture from like the early 1900s? Could be. Uh, I think that is. I think that was a picture where it was a huge chimpanzee and they didn't know why that, that, that chimp was, was so big. That's the one that got shot. Now, this is uh, a chimpanzee that's way larger. The other TV doesn't work. Yeah, it's off. 
Okay, for a reason? Yeah. Okay. That you, see, TV? you can see that thing. Yeah, but you I'll, can, you I'll can, just look at it, man. No, you don't have to look at it. You, oh. can, you can see that thing behind you. Just look at it. Look at, look at that the thing size does not look thing. happy. That's like you don't want to stumble onto that thing. They shot it. Oh. But that's a, that. it looks like a gorilla. It doesn't look like a chimpanzee. No. It looks like a gorilla. And it's called the Bondo Ape. And up until the 1990s, this thing was just a, a, it was a myth. It was a legend. Right. And it's an enormous chimpanzee. And the locals in the Congo, they, they say there's two types of chimps. There's the tree beaters and the lion killers. And the tree beaters are these smaller chimps that swing from tree to tree. The lion killers are these Bondo apes that are giant chimps that sleep on the ground like gorillas. Right. They're not scared of anything. They sleep on the ground. They don't have to hide in the trees. Like to this day, the reason why people have their master bedroom on the top floor was the, the whole chimpanzee idea. You get to the, the highest uh, branches where you're the most protected, and that's where you rest. That's crazy. I never knew that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. What? The penthouse. It's yeah. at the top of the building. Exactly. That's the best part of the building. Why is... the leopards can't get there. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. I that never is, knew that. That is That's crazy. so ridiculous. Well, these animals that are so big that they're not even scared. They don't go to the top of the trees. Probably the branches would break because right. they're probably several hundred pounds. I mean, they're not like a small chimpanzee. I mean, they're like three plus, maybe even four. Right. So you're dealing with an enormous chimpanzee that occasionally will walk upright. There's, fo- there's a camera trap photo of one. See if you can pull that up. The Carl Armand camera trap chimpanzee. You can see this thing walking upright, and they're six feet tall. Right. It's enormous. So you're talking about a chimp that's four inches taller than me, right. and it's huge, just gigantic muscles, probably as strong as, oh, like a thousand-pound man. Yeah. And they got a video of one eating a fucking leopard. And here's the important note in relation to Sasquatch. They just found the thing. 1990. You yeah. have a six-foot chimp that walks upright, wandering around in the in the... In, in nature, and no one's discovered it until just now. No one's gotten proof of it till just now. Yeah, look at this thing. This is the picture of it walking. It's walking upright. That's a right. shit resolution. It's hard to see in that photo. But that thing is walking hunched over and upright, and it's six feet tall. Those are devil chimps. Their heads look like skulls. Look at their heads. They- They're enormous. Well, they have a crest on their head like a gorilla. They're the only other chimpanzee, the only other uh, primate besides gorillas that have a crest on their head like that. So right. they thought initially, before they ran DNA tests on them, they thought initially that they were a hybrid between a gorilla and a chimpanzee. But now it appears that it's just a subset of this chimpanzee species. Yeah, so to, to me, that that is one of the... Things that exist in the world that make me think it's possible that there's a Yeti or a Sasquatch. Because how could you not discover something that's that size, that that is that unique? Why wouldn't – if something like that can hide from modern society for so long, Mm -hmm. after the invention of cameras, after the invention of – helicopters, then why couldn't there be something like a Sasquatch or a Yeti or something like that still out there? Yeah, they found the gorilla, like we said, in the early 1900s. They didn't find this for almost 100 years after that. Right. And we know the chimpanzees are intelligent, but we also know that they're not nearly as intelligent as people. I don't know if that thing was hiding from people or it was just in a place that was so remote and so hard to get to. The Congo is enormous. Right. I mean, it's really impossible for us to to wrap our heads around it. It's like almost as wide as the United States is. It's huge, I think. Is that, is that correct? Google that, please. 
um, it's, it's enormous. It's, it's many, 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 many millions of square miles. Right. And so the, it's not without outside the realm of possibility that this almost impenetrable jungle can hold a bunch of different animals in it. But the difference being, this animal looks like another animal that we already knew about. That's why it's not that crazy. Right. Bigfoot is a totally new thing. You know, you're saying there's an animal that no one's ever found. Look at the size of that. That's the Congo. Cheese Louise. Right. From top to bottom, it's almost the same height as uh, as the United States. It's huge. That's giant, and that's all jungle. So the um, the idea that this is a Bigfoot, though, that's where it gets real squirrely because you're talking about a totally undiscovered primate that lives around people and gets real close to people, but never when they have their cameras out. Never a picture that is. A, a picture like what you just showed me of the Bondo ape. Never yes. a picture or video where you it's indisputable. It's it's very similar to UFOs or ghosts or any other thing like that. It's every picture is easily discounted or at least or not quite good enough. Right, not quite good enough. Yeah, every photo is like, man, that might be Sasquatch. Right, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Not a single camera trap. Do you know how many camera traps are out there now? Hunters use them. They set them up on trails and they put these things out there. And what sure. they do is they take uh, a photo either. They have two ways of doing it. Either they take a photo every three or four seconds or five seconds or whatever you set it for, or they, they act on motion. So when they see something walk in front of them, a flash will go off and they take a, a photo. So they will, it'll, they'll either be night vision, they'll work at night, or they'll work on a flash system. Sure. None of these things okay, have let ever me, caught a Sasquatch. Can I play Sasquatch advocate here? Yes, please. Okay. So you've, you've actually pointed out this, these tigers that were on some other island, that on an island that like evolved in some— Li It's lions, actually. It's lions. in Africa. So, Relentless Enemies, National Geographic uh, special. Okay, so I, I, I point that only because we've seen cases where evolution uh, happens rapidly. It doesn't happen over the course of you know hundreds of thousands of years. Sometimes it seems to happen in a really fast way. And for, there would be an evolutionary advantage for a being like a Sasquatch to avoid humans. In fact, there's an evolutionary advantage to any creature avoiding humans because we like to eat things. We love eating things or turning them into our slaves. So there's an evolutionary advantage to staying the hell away from us. So in that way, uh, if a primate somehow evolved in the same way we did, and we've made supercomputers and robots and space shuttles, if for whatever reason something similar to us went into a, di a different direction, which is the direction of being closer to nature or tied into the earth, part of that evolution would be avoiding the crazy, bald monkeys. They eat you. They enslave you. They will have sex with you if they can. S stay away from them. So in that way, it could make sense that a super advanced primate would be able to smell a human scent on a device like that. And they just stay stay away from it. They avoid it. Why, why couldn't there be some new reclusive primate? Animals run away from me all the time. It's possible. It is possible. And when you say it like that, you bring up a lot of awesome points. I mean, if you were going to be a primate that was super intelligent and figured out how to live in the woods, the smartest thing to do would be don't let people know about you. Ever. Stay away. And I mean, the, the real question is how smart are these things? Now, if you talk to the, 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 the let's, let's give a, a broad spectrum of wackiness. You sure. talk to the, for the UFO hunters, the wackiest of wacky think they're people. 
They think that they are the spiritual beings that are very human-like in form. Like they think they have a human face. It's just a very dark face and that they're just covered in hair and they're a type of wild human that lives in the woods. Okay. I mean, there's there's some really there's a, there's a lot of variation in what they believe that they're capable of. Sure. But ultimately they're talking about a giant bipedal ape that no one's taken a picture of. Sure. It gets a little sketchy. Well, no, I mean, again, to play Sasquatch advocate, if you look at a monkey jump, like whenever you see a monkey run up a tree, just a monkey, if you watch how graceful and powerful those things are and you consider you ever being able to do that in a million years, you see how much more advanced in certain ways just a chimpanzee is. Yeah. So imagine if something had an equivalent form of advancement when it came to being uh, able to camouflage themselves or to hide. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe these things are just so good at hiding that maybe the – Part of evolution that made chimpanzees able to climb a tree in five seconds and humans able to build a Chrysler, maybe that part of evolution made these beings able to hide in a super skilled way. They can cover their tracks. They can hide in the shadows. Why not? It would be a great advancement for a being to be able to hide in a in a, in a – I've lost my train. No, you're right. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. A great advancement for a being to be I'll able to hide that way. I'll say it, it would be a great advancement for a being to be able to hide that way. Yeah. You pull up a video, uh, Bear Runs Up Tree, Startles Hunter. You know that video? This is a pretty famous video of these guys bow hunting. And while they're bow hunting, this bear just decides to make a break for it and runs up the tree. Not that weird. You know bears climb trees. Yeah. I think we both know. But did you have any fucking idea how fast they can do it? I, I haven't this seen this video. This bear gets 20 feet up that tree in a matter of seconds. All right. Like this. All right. And all of a sudden he's up there looking eye to eye with this hunter. Exactly. I just want you to see just to put it in perspective. Let's let's look at it just to just to get a, a peek at it. Watch this. So here's the guy. The bear comes close to him. I don't know if this is the same one. Did you check the this one? The other one was sideways. I was trying to get something fast. Let's see. Where would you mean it's sideways? The other one I pulled up was the video was sideways. Oh, really? Yeah. Pull up. Let me see what the other video looked like. Let me see. Oh, it's sideways. Yeah, that's yeah, the so right video, but it's sideways. Thought, yeah. Does it stay sideways the whole time? I didn't even bother to look. Go go a little further up. He might figure out the fuck he's doing wrong. Yeah, he does. Okay. Now get a little bit further up, and there here's a bear. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this bear move. Okay, give us some volume. Okay, the bear's already up. Give us some volume and take it to right when the bear makes a run for it. So the dude is up in this tree stand. He puts this food out. And the way you you hunt for bears in a lot of places, it's not legal in California this way. But in a lot of places, they let you use bait. And by bait, you usually mean donuts. They take um, really? yeah 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 they they take donuts or something sweet huh. and they put them in a barrel so that this bear will go to that barrel and then while he's looking for his food that's when you kill him it's really kind of douchey doesn't look fun at all <laughs> it's, it's kind of douchey but if like, watch this bear run look at this check this out look he makes a bolt for it and then just brump watch this. The guy uh, obviously fucked with his camera here. What is that? This is wrong. You it's can a, show it. I What's get it, wrong though. with this video? Is this a bad video? I, it's still Why are we not seeing this? I don't know. 
Okay, figure it out. Video. Figure it I out. I get it. Something wrong with that video. The, here's here's the, the point is that this bear runs up this tree the way you could run straight. Sure. Like he literally runs straight up the, the tree. It's it's pretty fucking insane. Right. This is not the same video. You can stop now. But that here's the, the here's the essence of the thing. When you look at a chimpanzee and you look at a human, what are some of the similarities? Well, the similarities are both have figured out how to use tools in a rudimentary way. Chimpanzees use uh, sticks to get termites out of the ground. Humans use cars to get to their jobs. So, um, why why is and, and why isn't it why isn't why isn't there the possibility that another primate, instead of evolving the ability to use tools, or instead of just evolving that ability, they used they evolved the ability to camouflage themselves. Because in nature, if you're a hunter, what's a better skill than to be able to hide? There's almost no better skill. In nature, chameleons or almost every creature that is a predator, their skin has adapted to their surroundings in a way that makes them blend in so that they could be a more powerful and efficient predator. In that way, why wouldn't a primate not just evolve a skin color or hair color that makes them blend in with their environment, but the ability to hide in a, in a super advanced way. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate. Please. And this is not necessarily what I believe. But if there was really an animal like this, there would be something. Now, all you have is like Theodore Roosevelt wrote about it in a story yeah. you know, about his, t- his time in the woods. But when, when a dude gets killed by a wild man, who, I mean, who knows what really happened right. in the 19-whatever-the-fuck-it-was back when Teddy was running around. The, the reality of life today is that if you're dealing with a very populated area, everyone has a fucking camera on their phone. Sure. And if everyone has a camera on their phone and no one is getting a photo of this thing, how many human beings are traveling through the areas where these things live? Right. And not one person gets a picture? Now, here's the other problem. It's iconic. It's an archetype. It's a thing that people go to right away. It, I think it's very similar to the gray alien with the big eyes. Yes. I think if you are not sure what you're seeing, your mind will create this thing. And one of the reasons that I say this is because I read a lot about hunting accidents. And one of the things that has happened in hunting accidents is that people who are experienced hunters who know that in order to bag a deer, you have to capitalize on a very split moment, a very small window in time where you've got to capitalize on that in order to get the kill. Right. Well, people have shot people accidentally and sworn up and down they saw a deer. Huh. They swore up and down that they saw a deer. Right. And when you're talking about Bigfoot and you're talking about Bigfoot sightings, you're talking about, first of all, it's not a mystery. It's not like you're talking about, you know, finding Rumpelstiltskin or something else. You're talking about something that people have repeated the same stories over and over and over again. Yes. You're talking about something that we have a reference to in our heads. Yes. And when you see something, you might see just a whisper of something. You don't know what the fuck you saw. You saw something through the trees, and it's dark out there anyway, but there's a canopy of leaves, and it's never sunny out. Right. It's always rainy and cloudy. So what are you really seeing? Sure. 
But by the time a week goes by or a month goes by or maybe even an hour, maybe it takes you three hours to walk to your car and you're an idiot and you convince yourself in those three hours that you saw its face and it looked at you and it read your mind, you yeah. might be so pumped up with adrenaline and fear and, and, and who knows, just longing for a, a, a life with excitement where you're not wandering through the woods looking for fucking shadows. Also, half the people in the forest are high at any time. <laughs> at least half. Nobody goes into the forest well, sober. We can only base it's like that, a Grateful Dead concert. We can only base that on our own personal experience. And with you and I, it was 100%. So it's 100% of the people in the woods are high. Yes. Because that's all we have. We should have got those Bigfoot guys high. <laughs> that's where we fucked up. <laughs> they were just drunk. We should have got them high. We Joe, had big different results. I, 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 I really mean it, though. I'm saying that people go into the woods and they get high. Yes, well, if you, you're right. If you're going to take mushrooms, mm -hmm. what, what do people always say? Go take them in, the, in nature. Take them in the forest. So in that way, I would say that a lot of the observers who are experiencing these, uh, a lot of the uh, people in the woods are maybe under the influence of, into of intoxicants, but you don't need to be. Right. If I'm a kid out in the woods... Yeah, I could hear anything, man. You can the, see things. You can see Dragons. things. Dragons, Bigfoot, elves. <laughs> yeah, because think of the woods. There's no light. Trees are shifting around. It would be very easy to project anything. And you know that there's a real danger. What was that noise? There was a real danger. There's a real danger. There's mountain lions. There's bears. Yes. There's wolves. The woods contain real things that will kill you. And forget about poisonous spiders and snakes. There's mountain lions, bears, and wolves in yes. the woods. They're, so there's right. a real fear. So it, it's a really highly charged environment. Also, what you mentioned earlier, how people prefer to have rooms on the top floor of a building or, or a house. Examples like that show how embedded into our species is the trauma of having to deal with predators in uh, the wild, the wildness that we evolved in. Yeah. So it makes sense that somehow in, inside of our neurology is imprinted the remnants of the these predatorial forces, the kind of combined racial memory of all the things that used to hunt us and eat us. And when we, went, when we go in the woods even today, maybe our brains still are on alert or on guard for these things that used to terrorize our ancestors. And people who see Bigfoot are really just seeing a projection of this thing out into nature. It could be that. It also could be a reaction to being in the wilderness itself, which is mostly being experienced by people who aren't native to the wilderness. Yeah. When they're having these experiences, even if they're like, like normal campers, they camp on every weekend, they don't live there every day. They, they, they live there in short bursts, and then they run back to civilization. Right. So in living in that environment, there must be some thinking where you you wonder what it would be like to survive out here wonder what it would be like to survive out here without nature right. could an intelligent being do it maybe he's out there maybe my wood brother is out there right now my sure. my ape monkey wood brother who's just as smart as me but chooses to not engage and remain on the outskirts of society yeah. eating off the land with its intelligent mind hiding from people yeah, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that likely. 
It's not likely. That's what sucks. But why is it so sexy? Why is it such a sexy idea? Why is the idea of seeing Bigfoot one of the most exciting things? If you said to me, Joe, would you rather be able to fly without a plane anywhere you wanted in the world for 30 whole days or go hiking and actually meet Bigfoot? Wow. I would say I'll take Bigfoot. I'll take Bigfoot over 30 days of awesomeness. What is every great dream? You're flying. You're flying in every great dream. And then you land on a girl who wants to have sex with you. That's what every great dream is, okay? This is, I'm telling you that if you gave me 30 days of that, I would say no. I would rather meet Bigfoot because I've got some questions. I want to know if it's real. Well, you know it's real if you meet it. Then what do you have to say? Well, that's why I'm willing to You know what Bigfoot's going to say to you? He's going to say, why didn't you fly? (laughs) Look at me. I'm covered in fleas. I live out here in shit land. You could have flown around for 30 days. You decided to talk to some hairy, failed monkey. (laughs) Hiding from its tinier, smaller, far smarter brethren. (laughs) Big flying. Pick flying. Yeah, they would get mad. They're like, dude, I don't even have a phone, okay? (laughs) There's no fucking stores out here. I kill elk with my face. I've been drinking my own piss for the last thousand years. (laughs) (laughs) They never have to worry about running out of water, but they've never found a water collection device. So that would mean they would have to live near streams. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot. Look, there's clearly a lot of problems with the Bigfoot theory. Well, they're really big, too. But here's, here's, here's some on the pro side. Here's one of the things that they always say. Is, Why haven't we found a Bigfoot body? Okay, yes. well, here's one thing that you need to think, consider. When was the last time you saw a dead mountain lion? Okay? Right. There are a lot of goddamn mountain lions. I mean, like a thousand of them in probably Southern California alone. Sure. Like, they're all over the place. There's a lot of them. They're not like a Bigfoot. It's not like a mythical creature. It's something that we absolutely have evidence of, but we never see a dead one. So, but they must die. They if, must. If you believe the idea that a Bigfoot is something that has evolved its ability to hide in a way that's exponentially greater than any other animal, then you can also add to that the idea that they would know to bury their dead. We bury our dead. When was the last time you saw a dead human? You know, unless you're living in Syria right now, you probably, it's probably, I mean, you don't see them that often. It's a rarity. We bury our dead. It's not like dead bodies are always dead humans are laying around. I'm just saying maybe these apes or whatever they are, they bury their dead, which is why we don't see their corpses anywhere. Right. That's a very good point. And it's a very good possibility if they really were this intelligent thing. And in fact, one of the guys that we talked it to, this guy, talked it to? Talked it. Who the fuck am I? Excuse me. One of the guys we talked to was a guy named William Jevnig, and he is a guy who had his own experience with Sasquatch when he was 14 years old. And the guy did not seem like a kook. He, he was not. He did not register at all. I'll say that again. Did not seem like a kook. He did not register at all on my crazy scale. Seemed like a very reasonable guy. He was an author, and he was telling his experience. And he was saying that when he was 14 years old. He he saw a fucking Sasquatch. I believe he it. believes it. He believes it. Yes, I think there are people who believe they've seen this thing. You know, it's for sure. There's no question, but that there are people who believe that they've seen a thing. Uh huh. But that doesn't mean that they've actually seen the thing. There's people in Alabama who think there's a leprechaun in the inner cities. It doesn't mean it's there. This dude thinks he knows where Burial Ground is. Oh, that's no, that's different. Up. This is where it gets weird. 
Okay. And this is what this is where I had to go. Hmm. Because he was making sense to me. He was a, a a reasonable man. He obviously was educated. He spoke very well. We were having a, a, a nice, smooth conversation. And then he tells me that he knows where a burial ground is. Okay. He tells me he knows where a burial ground is, and he says he's known it for 20 years. So I stop, and I'm going, well, what are you talking about? Like, if you, you know where a burial ground is, man? Like, hold on a second. Why didn't you go and dig it up? Right. Well, you know, the Sasquatch, they're not going to like it if you do that. Hmm. Let me tell you something. And this is the same thing that Tom Powell said. Tom Powell, who is a, um, a teacher in Oregon, also told us that he's had Sasquatch experiences. Uh, also told us that he wasn't a believer until something happened, and then he saw it, and then all of a sudden he became a believer. But also told us he knows where Barrow Grant is. When I said, tell me where it is. I go, you tell me where it is. I'll bring in a bunch of mercenaries and we'll dig this shit up. Sure. Like, let's find out what's up. You tell me you know where it is. If it's really a dangerous area, I'll bring in a bunch of dudes with guns. It won't be dangerous anymore. Right. And we'll bring in people with shovels and we'll dig it up. Come on. If it's still there, we'll dig it up. Sure. And uh, they, the fact that they haven't done that is where I start going, <sighs> what are we really dealing with here? Right. When you're dedicating your life to this thing that you have zero evidence of, what are, you, what are we really doing here? And when you're telling me that you saw this thing when you were 14 years old, I believe you. I believe that you believe you. It's what, that's what I mean when I say I believe you. Sure. But I don't know. I, when people tell me stories about shit that I just did five years ago, I go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my, I forgot about him. I didn't even I, – I forgot he was even there. And then you start – Re re-imaging right. the past in your mind. And I think that when you're dealing with something as insane as seeing Bigfoot, especially Bigfoot when you're 14 years old, it gets real sketchy. So that when you're repeating the story X amount of years later, you're basically lying. Right. I'm basically lying when I talk about my childhood. Okay? I know some very vague facts about my childhood. Yes. But when I tell you, well, I can remember this like it was yesterday. Me and Grandpa was fishing, and Grandpa was the only one who paid attention to me. Right. And he cared, and when I caught that fish, he was so happy. I don't fucking remember what Grandpa no. was into. He might have been drunk. He might have passed out. I might have no. made it all up. I might have, might have danced it all in my head. And I don't remember what I a... did five days ago. <laughs> Exactly. The whole thing's a murky blur. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast this exactly. morning. Exactly. Exactly. So when someone tells you about a Bigfoot story, it may or may not be an accurate story. I would say it is not an accurate story. I don't believe in Bigfoot, and I think that the uh, that, that, that uh, having played Sasquatch Advocate, I have to say – let me give you an example. You know where a Bigfoot burial ground is. Right, like you know that you know this thing. I could take you there. I could take you there. You know a you know where a Bigfoot burial ground is. This would be one of the most monumental anthropological discoveries of of our generation, of maybe of our time. And you're not letting your species know about this thing. Well, why? Well, why? well here's the thing, Duncan. Uh, when you've been squatching as long as I have, yeah, you, you basically consider the squatch to be somewhat like family. And uh, I don't consider these things to be creatures. Right. I consider these things to be my wood brethren mm -hmm. and my forest friends. Can I ask you something? Uh, character Joe Rogan's playing. Are you on a TV show right now? 
Um, occasionally, I am on a TV show looking Talking for squatch, squatching. So you're revealing to the entire planet the existence of Bigfoot, but you don't want to prove it with a burial ground? Well, I don't like the snippiness of your tone, sir. Can I'll sorry. tell you right now, when I'm looking for squatch, it is 100%. There's no bad intention involved. Sure. I, uh, I have love for the squatch. Sure. The squatch community recognize yeah. me. In fact, I know their favorite food. It is peanut butter and jelly. I leave it in a gifting tray outside my house, and it's often gone when I return. <sighs> All right. Well, I got to go. What? Don't, check? Don't go. Can we get the check? I know a man who lives on nothing but water and air. No, no water. Shit. I forgot. No water. No, man. But you, to me, it seems like it's absolutely, if they have discovered some proof of these um, beings existing, I think that it is unethical to not reveal it. Because the ethical thing to do would be to show the burial ground so that we can create nature preserves to protect these precious woodland creatures from logging and all the variety of things that humans can you really think that the government is going to protect the Squatch? Yes. This is the other thing this guy believes. This guy <laughs> believes that the government actually is aware of the Squatch. Yes. And the government is hiding the Squatch mm. because the government thinks that society itself would fall apart much like an alien invasion. Much like in an alien invasion scenario, religion would fall apart. Yes. How do you explain the giant wood man that was not in the Bible? How do you explain yes. a 10-foot-tall person thing who lives in the in the woods and can spot camera traps a mile away? Wait a minute. There's a Squatch. I'm going to burn down the White House. All right. Now, here we go. Proponent. Here's Proponent. Pull up. There's a photo of Gigantopithecus. And there's a Gigantopithecus that is right beside it's standing beside a person it's a it's a recreation it's a man and a recreation of this animal and this is where it gets really weird gigantopithecus yes. is an animal that they found out about in an apothecary shop there's that photo and then there's another one that's kind of even more interesting because they they did it in front of a, a jungle yeah that one right there now <laughs> look at this fucking thing spread this out here's what's crazy that was real that's a real animal. They have bones. They have teeth. They know that this thing was bipedal right. based on the shape of its lower jaw. This was an animal that existed as recently as 100,000 years ago and wow. existed in Asia. And they didn't find out about this till the 1920s. There was a guy who went into an apothecary shop. I should probably credit him here. Let's see. Gigantopithecus. Yeah, it kind of looks like an orangutan. Yeah, but except it stands up on its fucking hind legs, and it's 10 feet tall. Other than that, yeah. <laughs> it would be so I mean, cool. That, if you saw an orangutan in the zoo, and right behind it was that, you'd be like, what the fuck is that? It's a 10-foot-tall orangutan that walks like a person? Holy shit! Are you fucking kidding me? I just like the idea of those two actually being friends in real life, like a superhero team. Okay, this is the guy's name. The gentleman's name is Ralph Von Coingswald. Coenswald. Ralph Von Coenswald. And he was in an apothecary shop in China. And there's, uh, it was in uh, Liqing Cave in Liuzhou, hmm. China. I might have said that wrong. Anyway. He found these teeth as well as several jaw bones in this apothecary shop. And he apparently, he was a, um, he was a, I believe he was an anthropologist. 
And he went and he found these bones, and I think he recognized right away that these were primate teeth right. and that they were way too big to be human and way too big to be gorilla. He was like, what the fuck is this? Right. The people in the Chinese apothecary shop just thought they had some random bones. Sure. And uh, they actually were calling them dragon bones. Um, and uh, they traced these t- teeth back to their source, and it resulted in a recovery of more teeth and a rather complete large mandible. Now, by 1958, it says here on Wikipedia that three mandibles and 1,300 teeth had been discovered. So they know that this is a for sure real animal, right. and the most recent fossils are 100,000 years ago. That's When you look at that thing and yes. you hear a Bigfoot story, that's, fu- that's fucking Bigfoot. I mean, that thing okay. next to that guy is Bigfoot. Right, but again, they didn't find a skull. They found teeth in a jawbone, and they made Chewbacca out of it. They didn't find... A skull. It's true, but you, by you, the shape of the lower jaw, they can determine that this was, it was a bipedal animal. Okay, but they can't because determine. Not, how do they determine its hair color? No, they, they don't. That's that's totally made so up. What but that's also with Neanderthal. You know, with Thal. Notice I said Thal this time. Thal. When when you um, look at Neanderthal imagery, that's all made up. In fact, there's a, a a guy who thought of Neanderthal as a predator, and he had this whole paper that he wrote, and, and, and he even had a video made of proposing that Neanderthal had black skin like a gorilla, and that right. Neanderthal were these super muscular predators that hunted humans, and that that's why we drove them to extinction. And he actually bases this on the shape of their jaws. He's like, we impose human characteristics to Neanderthals. But if you look at a Neanderthal skull next to a Homo sapien skull, they're very different. Right. The shape of the eye is different. Now, if we know that chimpanzees exist and we know that gorillas exist and we know that their facial structure is actually more similar to uh, Neanderthal than ours are, yeah. why wouldn't we assume that they had skin coloring and, and, and skin texture that was very gorilla-like? Right. And so this guy made this video. See if you could pull that up. Neanderthal as a as a predator of humans as a predator of humans predator of humans I'll tell you what I find it's called them and us okay so look up them them and us how the Neanderthals were a pre- but this guy had um, p- images that he created and he he wrote a, a book detailing this theory and um, his theory was that we had accepted a vision of what Neanderthal looked on, looked at, looked like, based entirely on what we look like. Right. And he was saying, "Well, there's no evidence of that, and you, you it might as well, you might as well look at it as being far closer to a gorilla." And he gives a bunch of reasons that have to do with the size of the bones. Sure. They had much different bone structure than us. They were like 200 plus pounds. They were only like five feet tall. They were totally weird looking. They were not like a person. Yes. It's just in the reconstruction that you just showed me. If you're saying this came from teeth and a jawbone, and you're saying this was done by the professorial guy in the picture with the hairy orangutan-like thing, I want to know, where did you get the hair color from? Why is the hair color that long? This being... Oh, no, no, listen. I mean, you're right about that, for sure. Because I think anybody could take a few teeth and a jawbone and stick that into a Sasquatch replica and say, look, it's proof. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, I guess you could. But what we do know, I mean, that's just speculation. What we do know is this is a real animal. So whatever this was, whether it looked like that or it didn't look like that, we know it was huge. 
Well, this absolutely is- gigantic, far bigger than any primate that's ever lived since then or before then, as far as we know. If you look in the book of Genesis, there's reference to these beings called the Nephilim. And yeah. the Nephilim were these giants. They said they were giants during this time. And, um, you know, who knows whether that's real or not, but I think all mythologies have reference to these giant human things that used to wander the earth. Well, you know, think about human giants that we know about, okay? Think about guys like Shaquille O'Neal or Hong Man Choi or real giants. They have a lot of physical problems. And then think about what it takes to create a fossil. It's incredibly difficult to create a fossil. The only way you create a fossil is if you get caught in a landslide or a volcano or something happens where it preserves your body. You can get stuck in mud. But most of us are not going to be fossils. Most of us are just going to rot. We're going to go into the ground and then worms are going to eat us and then we're going to cease to exist. Yes. Or we're going to be transmuted into the next stage of the afterlife. And praise, praise, praise Shiva. Praise Shiva. But what we, what we do know is that there's been people our size, and then there's been these little tiny hobbit people. Yes. I think it would be ridiculous to think that it's not possible. It could have been giant people. Sure, there was giant lizards, giant birds. There's been giant elephants, giant sure. tigers. If you go down to the La Brea Tar Pits, just check out the sculptures of the dire wolves out there. <sighs> Those things used to wander around Los Angeles. How big were they? Huge. Like horse-sized wolves. What? Dire wolves, Los Angeles. Let's... Yeah. Now they're not going to be horse size. I'm going to. They're probably huge. I was stoned. Well, well, did you? Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) Did you ever Dire Wolf Los Angeles? uh, That's just going to bring up a crappy band. Remains of nearly two thousand dire wolves were exhumed. They lived nine thousand years ago. Okay, how big were they? Doesn't say. They were huge. Uh, I believe you, bro. Look at. I mean, look at look at uh, saber toothed tigers. For God's sake. Look at those things. Those things used to wander around L.A. Well, not only that. That was only like 10,000 years ago. Yeah. So the idea that there were giant humans or giant primates is not, to me, a particularly shocking notion. I believe that. It's just hard for me to imagine that one of them has managed to somehow exist in the present day. It's also disturbing. And this is one of the things that we resist. We resist danger that we're not aware of. We resist it. Like, oh, come on. I was talking to someone about uh, um, this. There's a community that's experiencing. um, They uh, they live near a factory and they're experiencing like all these issues. And I was talking to someone who uh, was saying like, hey, man, like this, this community might be poisoned because of this factory. And then I talked to another guy. I was like, oh, listen, that's nonsense. Let me tell you something that if that was true and he starts rattling off some reasons why he doesn't believe it's true. And then I asked him if he had looked into it and he hadn't. And then I realized. Okay, we're dealing with like reactions that humans have where we want to categorize dangers and we want to put them in clearly definable categories. And we have to wonder whether we want to worry about them. And right. some things you worry about never take place. And if that happens, then you're a little worry wart and you're a pussy and then you're ruining society right. because you're a big wimp. And people don't want to be a big wimp. Right. So when people don't want to be a big wimp, they dismiss things that may or may not be real right. and may or may not be a danger. And they sure. do it as a defense defense mechanism. And so it's not entirely objective, the reaction to any, anything. Well, when you bring up Bigfoot, 
People immediately, oh, sure. oh you're going to look for Bigfoot. Go ahead and look for Bigfoot. Oh, what else are you going to look for? Leprechauns? All right. Well, let me know when you find a Pegasus out there, fella, yes. and take a ride around the world in a flying mm. horse. It's probably real. I mean, the Greeks made a statue of it. Why would they lie, right? <laughs> Why would they lie? And what he's doing by berating you and by dismissing this topic yes. is not just dismissing something that is preposterous and is ludicrous and stupid, but he's also making himself feel better. Because he's scared. He's a scared little bitch worried about Bigfoot. You think that guy's worried scared about Bigfoot of... and his giant Rasputin dwarfing dick. Bigfoot <laughs> must have a dick like a giraffe. It's probably like a giraffe neck tied to his cock. It's Joe. just it's gigantic Joe. and it's probably black like coal. I'm scared of so many things. I'm scared of taking my shirt off at a swimming pool. <laughs> but I am not scared of Bigfoot. And my reason for not believing in Bigfoot is not because I'm afraid that my belief in Bigfoot, some Bigfoot's going to come trouncing into my house in Silver Lake. <clears throat> I'm, I don't believe in... First of all, you fucked up in telling people where you live. Second of all... Hunt me down. <laughs> second of all, you say all this shit because you haven't seen Bobcat Goldthwait's movie Willow Creek. I'd like to. You watch Bobcat Goldthwait's Bigfoot movie, which is sensational. It's amazing. You'll shit your pants. You're going to be afraid to get out of the car and take a leak if it's dark out. <laughs> And you're near a patch uh, of woods. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know if Bigfoot's real, and I know you don't know if Bigfoot's real. Right, I but I know that we both think it's an interesting subject. Yes. Why is that? Well, because it's a beautiful idea. It's this idea yeah. of a being that has somehow managed to evolve to a place past the intelligence of chimpanzees and gorillas, and yet simultaneously has reached this harmony with nature and is living out there in some kind of beautiful, primordial, pagan state. Yes. There's something really wonderful about that idea. It's like avatar depression. Yes. It's like a, a version of Avatar depression. Yes. Like when people went to see that movie Avatar, when you see those noble people who would never lie, and although they may exhibit a little bit of jealousy, and they take that fake Navi into their arms. Yes. Because they're beautiful people. Yes. And they get their internet from a tree, and it comes down from this is a, some sort of a Wi-Fi thing where it's like they float yeah. and whatever. They hump connected. with their tails. Yeah, exactly. But there's something about that that's wonderful. And yes. one of the things that you and I experienced is we went and we, we went to Mount Rainier with the lovely and talented cast and crew. And we, we went up there and we wandered through those woods and we went to uh, a bunch of different areas where people have claimed to have seen Sasquatch before. And the thing that struck me, besides the fact that it was unbelievably beautiful up there, I had never been to the woods of the Pacific Northwest yeah. in my adult life. Uh, I actually talked to my dad about it and he said we went camping up there when we were, uh, was when I was much, much younger. I think I was like seven. And I don't remember it because apparently it was like rainy and miserable and we hated it and we got out of there. Like it wouldn't be like the f funnest place to go camping. Right. But it literally is, and I hate the word literally. Sorry I used it. I see. It really is like you're stepping into another dimension. Yes. It's beautiful. And it's so rich with plant life. Yeah. It's the plant life. This is how you consider it. Let's pretend that the, the Salt Lake is a blank slate, okay? Salt Lake in Utah, where's that flat, the flat plains? Yes. Or the, the salt flats where they race cars. They take yeah. cars and they go like a thousand miles an hour because there's nothing out there but okay. flat salt. Right. If that's a flat plane and that's a zero life environment, the 
the rainforest of the Pacific Northwest is a 100% life environment. Yes. Every inch is taken up by plant life. There's elk running across us. We stepped on elk shit every other step. Everywhere. It was everywhere. Yeah. We, we were driving down the road. Elk would just walk right in front of us. These giant wild cows, yeah. which are more related to cows than they are to uh, deer, actually. Huge, enormous, four, five hundred pound animals just walking across the street. It's a wild place. Yes. To think you have an accurate account on that, like, what are you, are you going up there and measuring shit? Who's going up there? You know, even though it's right next to Seattle, even though it's 50 plus miles outside of Seattle, no one's going into those woods. No, no one. And when you're there and you take that in, that's when you really start considering it. You really start going, with it. maybe. Sure. No, when I went out there, I, I didn't realize how dense it was out there. I I'd never considered that. And... When you see how dense it is and how thick it is out there, then you do start entertaining the idea that there's the possibility that some extremely endangered being could be hiding out in these depths because people aren't going to go into that. What purpose do people have for going into that stuff? The, I, I imagine that there's naturalists and maybe hardcore hikers who are crossing maybe point-tenth of a percent of that terrain. If that. If that. If that. Yeah. So in that way, it, you could see how there could be a being existing out there that maybe hadn't been discovered yet. And when we sent the drones up into the sky to like overlook the area and when you put the goggles on and you yes. could see through the drones and you're flying over that, it's majestic. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. it is majestic. It is unlike any place that I have ever been to in my life. I was humbled by the life, yes. humbled by the plant life. There's something about the amount of trees that you see up there and the density of it all that is just like, it puts you right in your place. It just goes, sit down and look at this. And you, you, it's almost like psychedelic. Like you walk into those forests, it's almost like the whole world changes. Yeah. And when you're in there, you might as well be in another dimension. Sure. It's so not the human world. And you walk in and every hour or so, you'll find some shit on the ground that a person left behind. But you're on one, you're cutting one path. How much are you dealing with around you that you never see? Right. If you lived up there in the Pacific Northwest for the rest of your natural life and just every day you just crossed a, a, a certain area off your list and just walked up and down and up and down yeah. and you made a grid, you're, you're going to die before you ever see True. A, even a tiny fraction of the woods that are around you. And even with all the logging going on up there, it's not happening in every single part of that area. So. Not only that, I mean, you want to make the argument for an intelligent animal being able to avoid you. How much easier is it to know you're there than when you're chopping fucking trees down with exactly. a saw that goes... Yeah. Sure. I'm listening for elk snapping twigs, okay? And I hear a fucking saw, and yeah. I smell that stinky fuel burning. Yeah, if a, if a gorilla, for whatever reason, got pushed out of a van in the middle of Brooklyn... It would stick out in the most profound way. It would, within four seconds around the entire world, would be videos of a gorilla in Brooklyn. In the same way, a human 
wandering through the Pacific Northwest with our stinky perfumes and deodorants on, smelling of the cheeseburger you just ate before your weird, impotent little hike, you know, two miles into the wilderness. That would be so easy to avoid. Creatures can already avoid us anyway. Cutting root beer farts. Yeah. Wearing Dr. Shoals. Bud Light in your backpack. Old Spice under your stupid armpits. Yeah. Yeah, the stink of your tumors coming out of your mouth. They smell that stupid fluoride toothpaste you yeah. wash your face yeah. with. So it'd be so we would we stick out like a th- sore thumb in that in that terrain. Even though our ancestors, that's what we used to live in. We were born into that. It used to be where we were born into that wilderness. And there's something that happens when you go out there into that wildness where some mild little shift happens to you. You know, there is something that happens. Another part of your mind begins to activate when you're out there. And I think that part of your mind that activates is the part of the mind that Sasquatch hunters use when they hallucinate their imaginary <laughs> Bigfoot that they see. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that might be actually what's happening. That's what's, what's, um, that's what's uh, the most messy part of this situation is that you can't, Pick a horse. You don't want to be the guy that says, there's no Sasquatch. You guys are silly. Because that guy's a dick. Sure. Okay? And you don't want to be the guy that goes all Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Research Centers of America and gets it tattooed on your ass either. Because that guy's a dick as well. I don't want to be a guy squatching. (laughs) (laughs) What is Squatch? What is, what did you say Squatch was again when we were out there? Squatch is the uh, name for the... Uh, dried semen that accrues <laughs> in the hair and the beard hair of truckers who have been hanging out at truck stop glory holes. <laughs> it's called Squatch. <laughs> oh shit! And it's, hey it's, man, you got some Squatch in your beard, brother. You it's the reason why up. the hardcore homos at truck stops only have mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because we all know that hardcore gay dudes, there's like three types of people that have mustaches. Mexicans, John Stossel, and hardcore gay dudes. <laughs> and Hitler. The kind of hardcore d- gay dudes that wear like leather biker hats yeah. and like cut off jean shorts with Timberlands. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> Thick, pasty. They're trying to avoid squatching. <laughs> they don't want to deal with washing squatch out of your beard. It's annoying. <laughs> Clumps up and it smells like old dried bleach and burnt rubber when you wash it out. Greg Fitzsimmons goes on stage in San Francisco. We were doing San Francisco together. Yeah. And he goes on stage and he goes, you know what I love about San Francisco? You still have real faggots. <laughs> he goes, he goes, real guys with like jean leather vests on yeah. and, and, and cut off jean shorts. Yeah. And just- <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Like the Blue Oyster Bar in, in, in Police Academy. There was a lot of gay people in the crowd, too, and they they loved it. They right. were cheering. Yeah. You know, and that, that kind of stuff drives me crazy because on paper or if you put that on the internet, people could get mad at him. Could, but, but Greg sure. Fitzsimmons is like one of the least homophobic guys you will ever meet in your life. Like he has a great story about wanting to find out whether or not he was into gay sex when he was young. Yeah. So he like got drunk and got up his courage and then like found a guy in this gay area that he knew and went to the woods with him and then fucking panicked and ran away. <laughs> he's like, I know I'm not gay. I got to get out of here. But like he's not even remotely homophobic. Like He's right. not afraid of telling that story. He's not homophobic at all. So when he goes up there and says... I love San Francisco because it still has a lot of faggots. Yeah. And like they, they like were clapping. Sure. Like I saw a gay couple that were like going, Woo! 
Yeah. Because, because he was saying it with it, it was in it's with not endearment. coming from anger or fear. It's coming from a yeah. accurate assessment of San Francisco, and that's fine. He's and it's not, not a it's not a black or white issue. It's not to hurt somebody. There's, there's a there's a lot of shit going on when you say that word. Yeah. There's a lot of shit. You could say it in a beautiful way. And the way he was saying it was describing a wild looseness sure. and an acceptance of homosexuality in San Francisco that allows men to be really flamboyant. Yeah. And it's a, that's a good thing. Sure. That's a good thing. So what he was saying was a good thing. But that's what's pissing me off about this current state of like criticizing stand-up comedy as if it's a, a statement. It's these, these are not statements we're saying. We're saying wacky shit. We're just talking. What, what makes the thing offensive is the energy behind it. Yeah. When you hear a fundamentalist, right-wing Christian say homosexual – it's the same way as when you hear a Nazi say the word Jew. It comes out in this like sizzling. It's like it's the sound of like, you know, in the alien when they kill the alien and the acid drips through the metal. It's that same just vile, dripping hate. Homosexual. It's like all the hate inside that person is coming through the window of the word homosexual, and that's offensive. But when Greg Fitzsimmons says faggot, that's like somebody <laughs> throwing glitter in front of a disco ball. There's nothing dangerous or angry or pissed off. It's just sweet. There's nothing bad about it. And isn't it funny that when so this is something that took a while for humans to figure out, but now there is a knee-jerk reaction that when someone rallies against homosexual. Is angry about yeah. homosexuals. Is fighting off homosexuals. They're most likely gay. Hundred percent gay. Most likely gay. Just and so gay. When did people figure that out? Was it 1980? I don't know. Not even when the discovery happened. I think that's way more recent than people want to admit. I yeah. think the idea like was really crystallized with Ted Haggard. Sure. When that guy got busted and his gay prostitute friend who he likes to do meth with went on CNN and was like, that guy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I might be a gay prostitute that does yeah. meth with my clients, yeah. but this guy's fucked Out up. Out mind. <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's out there fucking making mistakes. The way, <laughs> the way Christians come out of the closet is they say they hate gay people. That's how you know you're gay. Mm -hmm. If you ever ever hear a Christian talk about how bad it is to be a homosexual. It's 100%. You're like, you poor bastard. Yeah. Just do it. True. Let True. go. <clears throat> yeah. And who cares? It's like the, the, what, what's good about being gay is you get to find out who's an idiot around you. If you came right. out and you were gay and some people got upset at you, yeah. great. You found the idiots in your neighborhood. Yeah, unfortunately for a lot of people, it's their fucking parents. I mean, when You're you right. when you look so at right. when they they post letters on Reddit where like people come out of the closet and their parents write letters saying you have to leave the house and we'll never talk to you again. It's like oh, they got off light, man. If they had good friends, they got off light. I swear to God, if if my parents were like that and I was gay, I, I swear to God, I'd be happy now today. Right. Right. 2013. Right. At 45. You mean you escape from You escape with from pigs. assholes. Yeah. At a certain point in your life, you have to realize that your family is not just what you were born with. Shit, It's man. also what I you know. accept, but what you bring into your world, and what you create. When you, yeah, but when you're 14. Right. Of course. And you're, it's the like, worst. Think about, just, just think of the reverse. I mean, it's like, if when I was 15, and I knew that I, I told my parents that I loved going down on this veiny albino and, and that would I would like to think that if you were my son I could work through that with you I would like to tell you that listen there's no perfection to this life and there's the beautiful thing about life is that everybody likes something different okay and that everybody is different but I'm some saying, people have blue eyes some people love to suck cock I, I'm, just, it's no, okay. I'm not saying sucking cock I'm Duncan. saying imagine if you as a child knew 
They're uh-huh. talking about you telling your parents you like licking pussy would get you thrown out of your house. Imagine the horror of that. Like your entire sex drive when sure. you're in a teenager, your, your sex drive is like you have – Explosive. Explosive. And to know that revealing that that – Mechan- revealing that mechanism to your parents could actually get you banished from could make you homeless it's terrifying that's when you're 14 fucked. that's fucked it's terrifying but you know what the real problem is human beings have isolated themselves into these much much more s- small and more uh, segregated communities and we call them families right and we don't we're not in a community anymore that has 100 people in it where we're all going hunting together and and and, and sharing festivities around the fire now we're in these communities where we have tribes of like a very small group, yep. like four or five people. That's right. You know, my tribe is, uh, I have three daughters and me. That's my yep. tribe, you know, and I have friends who I allow into my camp occasionally and we yep. break bread and then they go back to their tents and that's it. Yeah. And that's the reality of modern man. Sure. The old days, people tribed up together and they got, you know, 50, 60 people and they got together and they all knew everybody and they, they, they existed in these communities where they all shared hunting duties and cleaning yeah. duties and parental duties. And that was how people lived a long time ago. What were we really fucked up is we removed accountability when we stopped being communal. We stopped being communal yeah. in our child rearing. We stopped being communal in our, our, our relationships, sure. you know, and that's where like bitch behavior comes from too. When you got a guy who like starts texting your wife or your girlfriend or you know a, a girl you're dating and says like stupid shit about you, like that's supposed to all be done like out in the open. Yeah. And when a guy starts sneaking around on Facebook and saying mean shit about you to sure. someone, what is he doing? He's revealing he's his weak genetics. He's a loser. The guy's a bitch, and the girl will never respect him. What he's doing, he, she's she knows what he's doing. She knows he's being like weak and cr- creepy and yeah. shitty. But they think, well, I just want to tell you that, that guy just doesn't appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. I know he doesn't. I uh, see the way he is with you, uh, and I, I see that you're hurting on the inside. And I just want to look <laughs> totally platonic. I am your friend. I mean, I don't. Yes. I mean, you're very beautiful, and I would be honored if you ever be with me. But I know you don't so need weak. to be so friends. You're, this pick. guy's an asshole. Uh, Why does that guy exist? Because you can't go hunting with him. And whoops, he got hit by a stray spear. Whoops. You know, that, you're supposed to take that guy with you on, on the, the manly duties and throw him in a lake somewhere. Quicksand pits. He's supposed to die off. We're made for that type of human. That type of behavior is not supposed to be fostered to the point where he's a, 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 a member of society, a sure. trusted member of society. But oftentimes in communities, people deal with deceptive like traitors, traitors of their friendship, traitors of their – because we've separated. We've removed accountability. You can shut your door and lock it and just send a cunty email. And everybody has removed themselves from this process of of community. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how, uh, how, t- how bad that is for our continued evolution, the fact that people like that um, – have any kind of impact at all is pretty horrific. And that's where avatar depression comes in. Because that shit doesn't exist in Avatar and it doesn't exist in the Squatch community either. I don't think there's any bitch Squatches. I think Squatches, in my mind, okay, whether or not they're real, in my world, Squatches are noble. They're very smart. They run after elk. They choke them. They they probably choke them. They probably get a good, strong rear naked. They probably just break their necks. Uh, 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 Elk's probably made out of styrofoam compared to a squatch. When we went squatching, one of those guys said that- I like that you said that because it is true. What? When we went squatching. When we we went- Very few people can say that. We went squatching, and I remember one of the- I clearly remember one of our fellow squatchers, our teacher squatchers, they said that the way the Sasquatch hunts is it breaks the leg of the elk. 
and then after snapping its leg, that's when it kills it. I don't know why it doesn't kill it all at once, but it grabs it, breaks its leg, and then lets it kind of pull itself through the wilderness and then eats it. That's the way the noble Sasquatch hunts. It also can turn into a bird, and it also can sound like a leaf blower. I, sh- I can also tell you that that gentleman, the same gentleman that told you that story, also told me that one time he was in front of a blackberry bush, and he heard a frog. It was like, rid it, rid it. And he mm-hmm. said, now, why would a frog be hiding in a blackberry bush? And he mm-hmm. goes, you know what? I thought about it. I was like, that's probably a Bigfoot. Yeah, sure. So just so you know, uh, same guy. I can't. Same guy. There's some f- critical thinking right there. That dude should be in the CIA. <laughs> I see. I hear a frog. It's near a blackberry bush. Must be an undiscovered primate of enormous proportions. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all the fucking shit it could be. Maybe it's a crazy frog. Maybe it's a frog that ate a psychedelic mushroom. Doesn't know what the fuck is going on. He's hiding in bushes. He can't even eat berries. He's lying on his back. He's 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 flying on a rainbow of glitter. <laughs> All the way to Jupiter. That he's a frog, and he's understanding space travel yeah. for the first time. Yeah, and he knows that he's got a couple minutes to go before the psilocybin leaves the system, and then he becomes a frog again. He just sure. looks around for flies. Can I make one point real quick about yes. this? I think squatching is to hiking what Renaissance fairs are to parks. It's it's. Uh, how do I say that better? No, no, no. I, think I know squ- what you're saying. I think Squatch- squatching is a history. What? To history. Renaissance yeah. fairs are to history. I think squatching is to hiking what Renaissance fairs are to history. I think it's a way to turn hiking <laughs> into this exciting... Playtime. Playtime. That's what it is. I it's, think that's what it is. I think you're totally right. <clears throat> I think you're totally right. I met with a guy named R. Scott Nelson, and he's a crypto-linguist. In fact, he worked for the U.S. Navy for almost 20 years deciphering languages. And he played me some authentic, I'm doing air quotes, okay. authentic Bigfoot language. And I want to play it for you because it's, it's cool. pretty fascinating stuff. He played me, this is what's disturbing though. He played me two very different recordings. One of them sounded like total dog shit. And I listened to it. I was like, that is not a Bigfoot. That's a guy. And he goes, no person can make that sound. I was mm. like, ooga, booga, booga. There, I made the sound. <laughs> I made the same sound. It really right. did sound. But he played me another one that was called, they call it Samurai Chatter. Okay. That is really weird. Cool. And I would love it if once this show comes on the air, I know a lot of you are going to be like, this is fucking bullshit. I can explain. I am a language expert. And had some very educated points about this this language that he had heard online now he went into this a complete skeptic he had no idea that there was like a bigfoot community out there no idea that people who were scientists took it seriously but his son was doing a project and he was playing him this bigfoot stuff and him being a crypto linguist was like well wait a minute what is that Hmm. and so he plays it and listens to it over and over again and immediately recognizes that this is a language and that's where it gets weird because you're talking about a guy who is a, a real bona fide expert in human language. He's an expert in phonemes and different, different aspects of, right. of, of human language and how to distinguish them. So he's what's called a crypto linguist, which means he would take a language that's a, an unknown language and decipher it. Okay. So he listens to this and, um, and he decides, like, this is a real thing. Like, oh, my God. So he thinks that Bigfoot's real. I'm going to play you what he played for me. Cool. Check this. Who, for several years, had a cabin way up in the remotest parts of the Sierras of 
Northern California. And he was there one time with a friend, and uh, every evening they used to hear some absolutely bizarre noises and calls, and they couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And um, so they took up a tape recorder one time, and this is what they recorded. Listen to this shit. It is very bizarre indeed. We decided to record the sounds and uh, put them on it's a kind CD of fucking and set and make them available. If I was in a cabin and I heard we that, oh Jesus, my hair would turn white. Willow Creek by Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, people look into it. They are very encouraged. What is there more of this? So far, is there more sounds? There is, right? Scroll a little further ahead. Give me some more of this. Loving. Is that it? Listen to this. So this is what he determined. He listened to this, and he listened to the sounds. And it was his expert opinion that these are not sounds that are created by a human body. Yeah. The, this, the tone, the, the, the speed of the pitch, the, the way the, the language is, is being like exhibited, he believed that this is a language, but that it's not being used by a human being. It sounds chimp-like. It does sound like, it definitely sounds like a gorilla mixed in with, I see why they call it samurai. It sounds like yeah. Asian somehow. There's something underneath it. I, I would love to slow it down and hear what it sounded well, like. Well, he did. He did. He slowed it down. And it's interesting you say that. He slowed it down for me and he broke down very specific aspects of it that he recognized as language. And again, you know, we're talking about a guy who was a crypto linguist expert, a language hmm. expert for the Navy. So he knows what he's talking about. It is very, very compelling. I don't know where that came from, though. Right. I mean, they say that it was a bunch of people in the Sierra Nevadas and they recorded this. All we're hearing is some really weird noises that a language expert say sounds like some sort of an animal. <laughs> no, but you're not. Not even close. No. There's, there's some quality to it that just doesn't seem human. I no. might be wrong because, look. We've we've all seen people that are impressionists that do things. And you go, how are you doing that? Right. You know, we've all seen that. Yes. So it 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 might be. You know, I can make a dog. Want to hear a dog? Yes. Jesus. That's a dog. That's but it's not a dog. That's free. Me. Don't do that. We we. Uh, do you ever do that to your kids when they're sleeping? No. How rude. <laughs> One time though, when we were on Fear Factor, there was this uh, this group of people, and they were blindfolded, and we led them into this uh, this room where they didn't know what the stunt was, so they they couldn't see it because it was a big wheel, and you know they would have saw it immediately yeah. and said, "What's the wheel for?" So uh, they brought them in blindfolded. So as they're bringing in blindfold, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> they were shit in their pants. Dirty fucks. So I don't know what a person can and can't make with their noise because I can sure. make some weird noises with my body. I've seen the guy from Police Academy. I Ex see, perfect. I know Michael Winslow. Can, perfect Michael example. Winslow could easily do something like that. Yeah. So you can't just right. say because you're hearing some strange guttural orc-like language that it's definitely a Bigfoot. That's something that could easily be fake. Duncan, there's only one way to solve this problem. Will you go to the woods with me and go squatching? No. 
I'm sorry. Why would I deny? Yeah, Please. of course I'll go. <laughs> it's a dream come true. I'd love to go squatching. All right, let's go squatching. Let's do it. Let's do this.